What's up, movie lovers? Welcome to episode number 18 of Ready Play Movies, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of entertainment. Every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. Eastern, we discuss the top news of the week, notable releases, what we're watching, big topics of the industry, and the movies we love. If you want to write anything to be read on the show, send us an email to readyplaymovies at gmail.com or hit us up at readyplaymovies on Twitter. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new show directly to your device as soon as it posts. And if you like it, please leave us a nice review this is may 11th 2021 and i'm your host lewis manchaka and i'm joined today by my co-host mr troy bracy yes yes good to be back yes do it troy as you can see uh we're it's not uh 8 a.m central time for us uh when we're posting it's actually a little later in the day uh we are late uh given some technical difficulties uh to the audience out there uh, my internet went out, and I tried to record the show using my mobile hotspot, and it didn't quite work. So <laughs> it worked, but let's just say it worked a little slowly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So uh, either way, that gave me more time to research for the show, and uh, because of the delay, I was able to actually prepare a topic of the show. Uh, so if anything, we're gonna it's gonna make the show even that much better for us, uh, yes, you know, taking yes. longer. So, um, we're, the topic of the show is gonna be so large that we're gonna actually have to do it in two parts. So we'll get to that here later. But in the meantime, let's just talk about impressions. Troy, there were only two things that I watched this week. I watched, I binge watched all of Jupiter's Legacy, um, which was like the big Netflix release of the of the week, and I also watched uh, Star Wars: The Bad Batch. So. Yeah, let's just go ahead and hit up uh, Jupiter's Legacy because, you know, one of, the, one of the things I noticed is that there's been a lot of Superman clones as of late. You know, there's The Boys, um, there yeah, was yeah. Uh, Brightburn, uh -huh. there's Invincible, and now yeah, there's this yeah. one. Another take on Superman. And, yeah. I mean, uh, and even it. Go for it, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Uh, no, nah, and I was going to say, even that cartoon, One Punch Man, it was like <laughs> some stuff that reminded me of Superman that I've seen lately. So I was like, okay, yeah. So that's what I was thinking to myself is like, okay, like everyone's doing evil Superman, like, you know, that kind of stuff. But actually, this is interesting. They actually did an interesting take where it's like, it's not an evil Superman. It's actually a good Superman. And so uh, the guy, uh, um, oh, damn it, what's his name? Uh, Josh Dumel. Uh, he, you know, he's been in the Transformers yeah. movies. He's been in like a lot of movies and stuff. He's like, he plays uh, the Utopian. And that's basically that universe of Superman. And he has his origin stories in the 1930s. And I guess his superpowers lets him age like slower. So he's able to be Superman well into the present day. And so he has like this old fashioned uh, views of morality of, you know, don't kill. Uh, you know, he's got like this, he calls it the code. You know, he's not, you can't, uh, you know, mm. impede free will you can't uh you know rule over people he's got a very like uh very uh strict you know moral code strict, yeah and um yeah it's really interesting that you know society today doesn't really adhere to that kind of uh old time mm -hmm. morality and stuff like that where the characters are telling yeah. him times have changed and like, that kind of thing and uh yeah it's very uh it's a very interesting little um dissection of like of society because everyone has like the, their opinions on how to how to do things how to operate and stuff like that where there was this inciting incident where one of the heroes in the union which is like their version of the justice league like one of the heroes in the union justice kills yeah. kills a, a, a super villain and now like the public is siding with the hero that killed him and stuff like that was like 78 percent of americans you know like they believe that he was right to kill and stuff like that where he as the utopian he's like no you you, you americans are wrong that's it's not the it's not the correct choice and you know that kind of stuff and uh 
It's very interesting. It's a good. Uh, it's a yeah. good little. Um, I don't know. A commentary, I would say. Um, I enjoyed the yeah. show. Um, didn't have as much action as I was expecting for a superhero show, but o- overall, like uh, I feel like the the show is a is a good solid. You know, B B minus. Um, I don't think the okay. I don't think the like the the children give enough get enough screen time, like because uh, it's about two parallel stories, one that's taking place in the 1930s and one taking place in the present day, and mm. the the adults they're in both stories, they're in the 1930s and they're also in the uh, the present day, so they get more screen time. Meanwhile, the kids that are leaving that are trying to live up to the legacy of their parents, they only get the short end of the stick because they're only stuck to like you know the present day. Um, so yeah, uh, I would say overall it's a, it's a, it's a good watch. I'm not going to say it's a must watch. I'm not going to say, you know, it's that it's on that next level stuff, but I would say it's a good show. So I don't know. That that sounds legit. I'm gonna, I I keep saying I'm gonna have to check it out. (laughs) You have a lot of things to check out after what I've been been talking about on this show. There's just too much content now. Um, but the other thing that we watched or that we back that we both watched, we actually got around to watching Star Wars The Bad Batch that premiered on Disney Plus. And yeah, I wanted to ask yeah. you, Troy, did you watch just the premiere or did you watch both episodes? I watched both episodes. All right, um, good, good. The, this one that just came out as well. So All right, so what are your thoughts on it? Uh I actually like it. I actually like it. Uh, the the premiere was the the premiere was just fantastic. Yes, I, I was mean, gonna say it, that it, too. It was like a movie, really, like how long it was and the way it was like it was so anim- animated so well. And I mean, it was it was surprisingly darker than I thought it would be and uh, grittier than I thought it would be. But it, it actually, man, it it flowed so well with, you know, Clone Wars, but not at, at the same time. I didn't feel like it was just a, a Clone Wars sequel. Like that's what I've been hearing. Uh, some like right, sites been writing that oh it's just season Clone Wars season yeah. season eight. Oh, but yeah. it's like, like are y'all stupid? Like it takes place literally like at the same time as season eight. Like it's like literally you know the next thing that happens. You know what I mean? So it's not like a jump in years or months or nothing. It's like going right into it. You know so. Um, it's going to be things that's going to be similar because it's still at that, as of right now, at the same time, you know what I mean? It's just uh, whatever leading on into the empire, you know what I mean? So yes, it's going to feel a little bit the same now, but you could see the directions that it's going, that it's going to be like completely different. And, uh, I, and I respect that. And then I, the second episode wasn't as good, nowhere near actually as good as the first episode, but I don't I didn't feel like it went from bad like from good to bad. I just felt like, you know, it just kind of like a calm down episode like, you know, right after the storm it's just all right, let's calm down, have like one of these little regular boring type episodes. But then I expect, you know, the third episode to pick back up. So, but yeah, you know, it was fun and I I enjoyed the characters and it was dynamics about the stuff that I didn't expect and things like that. So, personally, I like it so far. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, um, I think the animation is top notch. Um, it was very beautiful, very well done. Uh, good voice oh, yeah. acting. Um, I, I will say that yes, uh, I have not watched any of the Clone Wars. Like I only watched like the Clone Wars like theatrical movie that came out way back in the day. That's the only thing I know mm-hmm. about it. Uh, but yeah. I do know that Dave Filoni is like the was like the the main like showrunner of yeah. uh, the Clone Wars and also the Mandalorian and. Um, he is going to, I believe he's also like, like, like the head producer for the Bad Batch as well. 
And speaking of the Bad Batch, uh, they were introduced in the Clone Wars, so yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's kind of like they were uh, a bit of like a loose thread that they they just sort of like you know touched on, and then now mm. they're getting their their spinoff show, which also kind of sort of is like a spiritual successor. It kind of almost is like the Clone Wars season eight because the Clone Wars ends when the you know the this. This show picks begins. Up. It ends where this picks up. Yeah, yeah, this show is basically the very pilot episode is the end of the Clone Wars as far as like right, Order 66 right. happening, right. the Empire forming, the Republic, you know, being disassembled. So basically yeah. there is no more Clone Wars. So there but yeah. and it, it but the 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 loose plot threads keep going. So that's kind of what mm-hmm. it feels like. And uh, I really do, uh, I have to give it to the main voice actor who plays all of the same, uh, he's voicing like five different people, but it feels different. Completely different. Yeah. Like, man, yeah, that, that tripped me out. And it also tripped me out how much he sound like Saul Guerrero. Like, I, like for a second, I was like, dang, did, uh, did Forrest Whitaker come back? What is that his name? Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. Did he, did he come back to voice it? And then I remembered that, no, he didn't do it. Yeah, so, uh, man, that tripped me out. He was putting that that little accent in there. That, that yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I gotta say, like, I actually think it was a bad move. I think to to put bring the bad batch into season eight or the last season because the bad batch sucked in that. Like, whoa, I was like, that, <laughs> yeah, in that when I first seen them debut in in Clone Wars, I was like, oh man, we getting a series about these people, like. I, I it literally kind of made me less excited but coming into this it's almost like they're like completely more badass like completely different so yeah they get set up pretty well even within like the first opening minutes and stuff like that and speaking Absolutely. of the opening minutes there's a controversy i don't know if you know about this uh troy um but there was um the the bad batch opens with them during the order during order 66 and then there was a mm-hmm. jedi master and a padawan the the little right. the, the little boy he looked like about 13 14 years yeah. old from rebels yeah. yes oh, so he yeah. he would grow he would grow up to become Kanan yeah and so what's interesting is there was a whole Kanan uh, comic book officially produced by Disney Star Wars you know mm-hmm. they they said uh, Disney said that anything we make uh, Star Wars it's media canon. is canon going forward remember yeah. that yeah so uh, the the Star Wars uh, comic book told a completely different story about how Order sixty six than what oh, occurred wow. on the Bad Batch. Like, for wow. instance, the Bad Batch, it, it, the, the Order 66 happened during the daytime, but in the comic book, it was at night. Um, in the oh, comic book, wow. the, the stormtroopers they were with had a different color. And, like, everything, mm. all the circumstances were completely different. And the, nothing had nothing to do with the Bad Batch. So yeah, that, 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 see, they're kicking themselves in the butt by doing that. I always said that was a dumb idea to make everything canon. Like, everything? Like, that's very hard to do. So yeah, they uh, <laughs> they slipped up. Look like yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? And also, I thought there's a whole department within Lucasfilm well, called the Story Group that that checks and balances checks these things. That, yeah. Well, I mean, I honestly think I don't think they. I honestly don't think they didn't know. They probably just felt like it was best for the story, and they just said screw it. And I honestly think I always said it was a bad idea to make the the comic books and the uh the graphic novels all canon as well because that's when stuff starts getting hard and tricky because comic book writers write so much stuff and they have so many ideas and so many things that they could connect and interweave but then when you want to do something big like a movie or a show you have to go back to the comics and make sure continuity wise it makes sense and it's like a comic versus a movie who cares you see what i mean like more people are going to see them 
the movies and the television shows anyway. So like to not to be kind of cuffed to cuff yourself to canon because of comic books is I would say that was just stupid to me. You know, what I mean, I can understand the television shows and the movies being uh canon and maybe the video games but to make every single thing canon is a mistake and i think this is why they probably realize oh this is a good idea but in the comics it's the blah 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 and they're like oh well screw it let's redcon it you know i think that's what happened <laughs> don't you hate redconning though <laughs> i hate redconning don't get me wrong i hate redconning but you know uh i honestly never seen i never knew nothing about this until right now until you brought this up so that's that's this new news to me <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, um, I, I will say that I think I got it wrong. Cause I gave, I gave my pick of the week to Jupiter's legacy last week and you gave it to the bad batch for, I think you gave it to the bad batch at first and you changed it to one of the movies. But, um, I think that I feel like between the two that we did end up watching, I think the bad batch was better. Um, I don't mm. know. I just feel like, um, I guess, I, I don't know, man. It's really hard to tell. I actually, I actually have a, a little bit of conflicting opinion. The pilot. Mm was better than Jupiter's was, legacy. Yeah, 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 right, right. The pilot alone was better to me yeah. made it yeah, made the the whole thing work. If it was just the second episode and the first episode was just all right, then I have a completely different opinion. Yeah, so, so really I got to wait to see the third episode to really gauge like if it episode one was just a fluke. Or yeah, not. that's exactly what I was about to say. Like I feel like uh, the if episode two is like a uh, indicator of what we're, what we're really in for, then I'm not sure. Is what I was going to yeah, say. Right, right, right. I agree. So I guess we'll have to reserve judgment. But either way, both uh, both things, uh, at least from initial impressions go, they're both good stuff to watch. So that's really all that we need to say. Yes, sir. In the meantime, let's go ahead and move on to the news. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. So we have a full doc here with six news items, which is the max that we do for this show. Uh, so first up is regarding Seth Rogen and uh, James Franco. This comes from Variety. And it says here that Seth Rogen says he doesn't plan to work with James Franco after sexual misconduct allegations. It says mm. Seth Rogen has spoken out about his professional relationship with frequent co-star and collaborator James Franco, saying he has no plans to work with him following allegations of sexually inappropriate behavior. In an interview with the Sunday Times, Rogan addressed the allegations as well as his 2014 Saturday Night Live opening monologue where he joked about a 17-year-old girl's allegations that Franco had direct messaged her on Instagram to meet up. I decided to prank James Franco, Rogan said uh, during the monologue. I posed as a girl on Instagram, told him I was way young. He seemed unfazed. I have to, I have to date. I have a date to meet him at the Ace Hotel. Quote, what I can say is that I despise abuse and harassment, and I would never cover or conceal the actions of someone doing it or knowingly put someone in a situation where they were around someone like that, Rogan told the Times. Quote, however, I do look back at the joke I made on Saturday, on Saturday Night Live in 2014, and I very much regret making that joke. It was a terrible joke, honestly. Uh, allegations of sexual misconduct were made against Franco once again in 2018 when several students of at his former acting school accused him of intimidating them into sexual situ situations. The allegations, which Franco had, has denied, turned into a lawsuit which, is settled, which was settled in February. Despite the allegations, Rogan said... Uh, in past interviews that he would continue to work with Franco, but Rogan says that he that has now changed. I look back at the interview in 2018 where I 
I comment that I would keep working with James, but the truth is I have not, and I do not plan to right now, Rogan said. So what are your thoughts on this, uh, this uh, you know, this friendship, this relationship, they've done many movies together from Pineapple Express, This is the End, The Interview. They even go back to this one TV show called Freaks and Geeks. So yeah. they, it, it just seems crazy. Like, what are your thoughts on this whole situation? Well, see, originally, and I'm glad you read that out because originally, you know, I, I would have felt like Seth Rogen was just jumping the gun and i felt like that's not real friendship as soon as allegations come out on someone you just immediately cut them off i mean that's basically what cancel culture is you know it's not innocent until proven guilty it's guilty until proven innocent but you know when you hear him explain that story you know uh it seems like he has more knowledge and uh more proof at least to himself that that's those allegations can be true, you know, as, um, and, uh, if you know, or if you have a feeling that, you know, your friend is a pervert or whatever the case may be, you know, I understand him saying, look, I'm not working with him. I don't want to associate myself with that guy. I don't want to have nothing to do with his career if that's who you are. And the fact that he kind of have proof by, you know, pranking James Franco, James Franco and it, seeming like he was with it like james franco was with the prank it, it you know to me it sounds like he's saying like look i think it's true based off of my experience working with him so therefore i understand where you know seth rogan is coming from so that's just my thoughts on it my thoughts is is like if if i'm in a situation where i don't know and I've known someone for years and that's never been the case. And I don't know. I'm still be friends with the person. I'm going to still be cool. I'll still work with the person. And then when I find out otherwise, then I'll cut you off. So that's kind of how I stand. And that seems like that's how Seth Rogen stands as well. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not sure that entire situation, like just based off of the way I'm reading it, um, the, the Saturday Night Live joke where he says that he posed as a 17-year-old girl. I think that was a joke for the monologue of Saturday Night Live and not an actual occurrence that that really happened. Is I mean, how and I that, and, oh, OK. See, and I don't know. But that also the fact that he would even make a joke like that makes it seem like it, it's somewhat true. Because, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, why would you even make a joke like that? You see what I'm saying? So that that joke kind of makes it seem like that's something that Franco would do. That's why he joked about it. You kind of like so. what happened with uh, um Seth MacFarlane, when he made that joke right. at the Oscar, uh, when he right. was answering the Oscar nominees, where he said, uh, and now, think, congratulations, ladies, you no longer have to pretend to laugh at uh, Harvey Weinstein's jokes. Harvey right? Weinstein's jokes. Yeah. yeah. He's like, that, those are, those are, that was a joke that was done before the whole allegations happened. Right. And that, and, and uh, exactly, that's the exact point that, I, exactly, I think that's the exact same thing might have happened right there. Yeah, so it's really, uh, it sucks, you know, these guys have been friends since, like, forever, and, uh, you and know, they... it sucks because uh, I just wish, you know, if this, you know, is true, I wish James Franco wasn't an, a dick, and if it's not true, I just hope that, you know, things can go back to normal, because I'm a big fan of James Franco, I think he's a good actor. Yeah, he's uh, definitely got, he's also, we hear, hear so much about James Franco and his, and his work ethic and everything like that, and... Uh, yeah, it just kind of sucks because they've been like they've been producing partners together for like a really long time. You know, they've worked on camera and off camera together so much that, um, yeah, it wouldn't things wouldn't be the same. It's like it's like whenever like uh, Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson stop making movies together, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So 
but anyways, uh, I don't really know what else to say. I think I'm with, I'm going to be with you uh, on this one, Troy. I mean, he's definitely, he's stuck, he's stuck behind him when things were necessary, but now he's, he's realizing it's not. Um, I feel like it's more just business, you know, where you have to save your own career versus, you know, like keeping your, your wagon hitched to someone else's, uh, yep. else's career. So, um, yeah, I think you have to like, you know, as bad as is, as bad as this is to say, you do have to cut, you know, the the heavy weight that's dragging you down, kind of thing. So, right. Um, yeah, man. I it, it's it's hard. It's hard because as as I get older, it's like I realize when you're younger, you'd always just say friendship above everything else, kind of thing. But now it's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, let's go ahead and move on, and uh, we're gonna talk about more on the subject of it's just business. We're going to talk about more stuff with regarding money. Uh, so there's a bit of a pay dispute happening with uh, John Krasinski and M- Emily Blunt uh, with regards to A Quiet Place Part 2. Uh, apparently the actors are, are allegedly locked in a pay dispute. And so it says here that after A Quiet Place Part 2 was delayed numerous times, it, mit- it missed its March 2020 release date amidst the COVID-19 lockdown. Uh, John Krasinski... Uh, John Krasinski's follow-up to the 2018 horror hit is coming to the summer box office. It's great news that the Quiet Place sequel will get a chance to play exclusively in theaters, but Paramount's streaming plan is reportedly creating a pay dispute between the studio and the real-life couple of Krasinski and Emily Blunt. Some major stars sign contracts contracts with studios to receive back-end paychecks on their movies depending on how the movie does in theaters. And A Quiet Place Part 2's writer, director, and producer, and star, John Krasinski, reportedly has one with Paramount alongside the film's lead, Emily Blunt. However, since the studio decided it will move it to the streaming service Paramount Plus just 45 days after opening day, the husband and wife are allegedly asking for compensation. So traditionally, A Quiet Place Part 2 would have been in theaters for 90 days uh, before becoming available for digital viewing, but the COVID-19 pandemic has changed the way studios are, make, are marketing movies. Uh, Warner Brothers, for example, is making uh, all their movies available on HBO Max on the same day as theatrical releases, and Disney is allowing its streaming services, streaming customers to buy new releases for home viewing, in addition to the theatrical run. Uh, so... Basically, just to uh, you know, TLDR this: um, Emily Blunt and uh, John John Krasinski they took less upfront. They uh, it's very common for these contracts to have back end points, and uh, you know they know they they in good faith knew or had a presumption that this movie was going to be financially successful given the first movie's success. So they they stood to make more money taking the back end deal, and now because of COVID, their money's in jeopardy. And their contracts that originally was negotiated is kind of be up in arms, kind of up in uh, up in the air. And just to add insult to injury, uh, Paramount is not going to even let it be exclusive in theaters for the full 90 days. Instead, cutting it in half for, for just 45 days before moving to streaming. So do you think that John Krasinski and Emily Blunt are in the right to ask for more money because of this? What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. I, I mean, these, these situations are going to happen as long as these uh, movies that were meant to go the theaters go to streaming services but they'll just have to sit down at the table and form a deal that that's basically what they're gonna have to do that's what godzilla vs kong that it was the same exact problem you know with that but uh they sat down and uh made a deal and i forgot what it was but 
it was like they gave him an extra hundred mil or something uh, like a huge amount because it was this kind of same type of situation. So they're just going to have to sit. And I think they know like they can't just void the contract. Right. They signed. It was they have a con like when something's a contract, you can't just say, oh, no, we're not doing it now. That's just not how that works. So it's either they're going to have to sit down with them and negotiate some kind of deal uh, with extra money or they're going to get sued and, you know, they're going to take them to, to Paramount to court for that. So uh, but I, I think they're going to work it out. It's just a dispute until they until they work it out. It's going to be considered a dispute. But I don't think it's, a, you know, it's, it's going to be a big deal because I, I doubt any one of them want to go to court for that, you know. Yeah, I just hope that now I really hope that A Quiet Place Part 2 makes a lot of money at the box office, kind of like, you know, as if pre-COVID numbers kind of thing, kind of like what uh, Godzilla versus Kong did. If you can put up right. those kind of numbers and stuff like that, then hopefully then they'll be taken care of regardless. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, hell, even Godzilla versus Kong has only made like 90 million at the box office so far, at least domestically anyways. Um, so, I mean, yeah. it'll be, I want to see what movie makes the, gets the first the first movie to cross a hundred million kind of thing. But um, yeah, I, I honestly don't uh, believe for a second that they're going to go to court. I think that they're going to resolve this probably before opening weekend happens, uh, opening weekend being like two weeks away. So I think, I think, I think things will usually, things usually get like uh, hammered out anyways. So anyways, yeah. let's go ahead and move on to another big story. <laughs> Troy, I don't know how you feel about this, but uh Apparently, Warner Brothers is in search for a black Superman and a uh, a black director for the next Superman Superman film. So, just before I go into the article, what are your what is your initial gut reaction telling you? Well, I mean, at first, at first, because I this news came out like a little while ago, and at first I was completely against it. You know, oh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, I was completely against it just because I don't like like. And we're seeing this more and more in Hollywood. Like, I don't like the idea of changing a bunch of characters black just because, you know, for, you know, purpose, just for, you know, per the purpose of having more diversity in the superhero. So you change them black. And I prefer you to go into comic books and get the black characters that's already black and make them famous. Like they like Marvel did with Black Panther. You know, they don't have to change someone black. Just get a, you know, so you got the John Stewart, the static shocks, the just the different characters you can use. And so but I always feel like instead, these big studios just change people black. And it's like, what? And so I was like, damn, to do that with super. Superman, I, I, I don't know. But the reason why I changed my mind on it, because if you think about it, like I look at it, basically what Warner Brothers is doing, and at least to me, is like they're setting up two different, you know, they got like the DCEU for all the fans that love the crossover stuff, the, you know, the, the um, big scope universe and things like that, like Marvel. And they're also setting up, you know, one-off type of, movie franchises like you got the robert pattinson batman right you just had joker right and now you're having this black superman so i think they're going to use those opportunities to do something new and different and unique so same way like you doing comic books when you had like these one-off stories these elseworld stories basically that's what warner brothers doing just with movies having elseworld type stories you know if you watch the robert pattinson batman trailer that's like its own thing you know even if you look at bruce wayne how he looks in there he looks like a vampire or some shit you know so i think that's what they're doing here and then also if you think about it a couple months back 
they announced that Henry Cavill, or at least it's not official, but I mean, the Hollywood Reporter reported on it that, you know, Henry Cavill signed like a three or four movie deal to kind of show up in the DCEU. So I think they plan to have like this Superman not be the Superman, but be a version of Superman. And then you have your Henry Cavill to show up in Aquaman 2 or uh, Justice League 2 or whatever the case may be. And uh, and that, and when I look at it like that, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with them trying to do, to, trying to do new and unique things. Like, I, I'm okay with that. Like, Joker. Joker was his own thing. It's completely different from anything. But it was his own thing, and I liked it. So I'm like, hey, why not give it a crack at it? Because, look, Superman is, you know, like, if you think about the movies, Superman is hard to get right, you know, in Superman Returns, they was like, oh, it's too much like the Christopher Reeve Superman, right, then you do Man of Steel, and it's like, oh, that's too dark and different and gritty, you know what I mean, so it's like, you might as well just try to do something completely new and original, and uh, that's why I'm like, oh, I'm okay with it as of now. Okay, all right, let's go ahead and get into the article here. It says here, while promoting his Amazon Prime film Tom Clancy's Without Remorse in late April, Michael B. Jordan put a kryptonite pen in any rumors that he might suit up as Warner Brothers' next super Superman. Quote, I'm flattered that people will have me in that, in that conversation, uh, Jordan told The Hollywood Reporter. It's definitely a compliment, but I'm watching, I'm just watching on this one. And it says here, I'm going to just go ahead and skip around in this article, and I'll just go ahead and read it. And it says here that with, a, with that, a whole new guessing game has kicked off, uh, centered on who will play the Man of Steel, and arguably more pressing, who will direct. Sources say J.J. Abrams, who is producing the film, is not among the many possibilities being considered. When Warner Brothers announced that in February, and that celebrated author Tahisi uh, Coates is writing the screenplay, and Abrams is producing, it did not address the matter of helming. But, uh, but insiders say Warner, uh, Warners and DCs are committed to hiring a black director to tackle what will be the first cinematic incarnation of a Superman featuring a black actor, with one source adding that putting uh, Abrams at the helm would be, quote, tone deaf. Um, hmm. And then just to go ahead and skip around, and it says here that while the next Superman will likely land a, uh, a named director, the star could be a relative unknown, as was the case with Brandon Routh, when he suited up for Brian Singer's 2006 uh, Superman Returns and Henry Cavill, who donned the cape for Zack Snyder's 2013 Man of Steel, neither Superman Returns nor Man of Steel lived up to the outsized expectations, with the former earning $391 million worldwide and the latter taking in $668 million. By contrast, James Wan's, uh, James Wan's Aquaman nabbed $1.1 billion in 2018, and Todd Phillips' Joker scored $1.07 billion and multiple Oscars. So, Well, well real quick on that. First of all, okay, so um, a, a couple things here. Number one, like um, this whole comparison by Bill, like comparing, because I'm seeing this more and more, and it kind of starts to irritate me, like, a movie making a billion dollars it doesn't isn't the end all be all of success. That's not what like at first making a billion dollars was an anomaly. Like you you know what I mean? Like and as inflation goes up and things like that, billion dollar films are more common. So it's like you know people act like if a film didn't make a billion dollars to a certain degree, it was unsuccessful. Man of Steel was very successful. Like six hundred and some million dollars. That's that's successful. That's obviously why they continued the DCEU and. They did Batman v Superman and all that. Now, it could have done better, yes, but comparing it to, like, Joker and Aquaman, 
to to see like as the bar to see the, the rate of success to me is a bit ridiculous. You got to remember, Man of Steel came out in 2013. You know, these movies came out in 2019. So. From 2013 to 2019, you've seen several billion dollar films of people that didn't, of movies that people didn't even think would make that much. That's just one. I just had to get that off my chest. But also, you know, and one of the things that makes me excited about this, uh, this, this movie is I honestly think the people behind it is really talented people right you got jj abrams i like him better as a producer than i even do as a director and he's producing this they have a very good writer that's won awards for novels and stuff like that he's writing the script so they got a good writer right now if they bring on a solid director you know that's pretty one hell of a team there you know so i'm excited to see what director they bring on because i actually am the type that i get more excited about the people who's working on the film than the film itself you know what i mean like if i hear that oh christopher nolan is directing the next uh i don't know black widow movie you know what i mean like i wouldn't really care about a black widow movie but if you say christopher nolan's directed it might be my number one participated movie of the the year so that right there has me a little bit more excited as well that you know jj abrams producing and they got a solid writer and things like that and i'm just curious to see who they bring on i wouldn't mind them bringing on a more famous name like a michael b jordan even though he said he wouldn't do it or i wouldn't mind him bringing on a completely unknown it it really don't matter like and this ain't oh and by the way this ain't the first time they've done this will smith was supposed to play superman a while ago too i mean i don't know what happened with it but he was looked at seriously looked at to play superman at one point that would have been weird but uh yeah so this ain't new all right. The article continues. The Superman films appears to have, be moving on its own track and won't be a part of the universe as of now. Sources tell The Hollywood Reporter that Coates is crafting a Kal-El in the vein of the original Superman comics and will have the protagonist hail from Krypton and come to Earth. While the story is currently being crafted and many, de- many details could change, one option under consideration is for the film to be a 20th century period, play- period piece. Diversity mm. and representation remain, remain key drivers of the DC universe moving forward. Warners is developing a Latino Blue Beetle movie with Angel Manuel Soto attached to direct, and HBO Max is casting for a gay Green Lantern character for an upcoming series. The CW's Arrowverse is about to get its second black female superhero series with Ava DuVernay's Naomi. Uh, Batwoman also features a black lead, uh, Je- uh, Javika Leslie, just as Black Lightning is about to wrap up its final season. As for Abrams, who inked a $500 million deal with Warner Media in September of 2019, he will still wield plenty of influence in the DC universe. So, yeah, um, my thoughts. I gotta say that I am not feeling it. I am. I'm, I was with your gut, initial okay. gut reaction on this one. Okay. Okay. There are people. There are other. There are black men who have wielded the mantle of Superman, just as there are other people who wielded the mantle of Batman, other than Bruce Wayne. So what I'm mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, you could have just as easily made a Superman movie where somebody else takes up the mantle or make right. a parallel universe, and don't don't make Clark Kent black. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do that. Just Right, uh, right. Pick another character who, in the comics, who has donned the name Superman, and make them be the. It's like instead of making Peter Parker black, just make Miles Morales. You know what I mean? Right. I agree with that. I do agree with that. And I originally thought that's what they were going to do, but it sounds like from the report that you read that they're actually going with Clark Kent. Yes, and that's why I'm yeah. I'm against this. It is kind yeah. of very condescending, and it feels like 
you know, it, it feels like a slap in the face is what it feels like. And uh, I, I feel well, for let everyone. me let me I listen. I agree with you. I, I honestly do. I like because that goes with what I was saying instead of, you know, changing the race of a character, just use some of the black characters that was created in the comics you know what i mean like that's almost a slap in the face in itself to say oh we can't go to these black characters they're not good enough let's go to let's just change a white character black you know i and so i agree with you on that but let me let me do it because let me um let me ask you this right let me let me uh pitch this synopsis to you right okay. real quick now because i read it that on the thing that you read you said it was like a period piece or some shit right yes now imagine this, like imagine this, and this is what kind of got me on board just thinking of this, and I don't know if they're going to go with this or nothing like this, but this idea kind of made me on board. So imagine a Superman, a black Superman, right, an alien that just happens to have the color black, and he goes to planet Earth. And he and he feels like, you know, his philosophy is to bring everyone together and to save Earth, right? And imagine a, a, a alien that's not even black, really, if you think about it, that is treated, getting treated racist, right? And then his, you know, the way he has to deal with that in a way like, okay, I want to save this world. I want to make this world a better place. But wow, I'm getting judged by the color of my skin and I'm not even from here, right? I just coincidentally happen to have the color of these human skin and I'm getting, you know, treated a certain way because of that. And my goal and my goal and that which conflicts with what his overall goals are as a person. So, like, just based off some like a synopsis like that, what do you think, uh, you know, as far as an idea for a Superman movie? What do you think about that? Well, it definitely has good uh, the potential for good uh, social commentary. I will give you that. And I'm not going to say I I don't want to go ahead and say that the, the talent behind this this isn't 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 good or anything like that. Um, so you can still, you know, pull out a uh, pull a good movie out of your ass if you have good, solid written characters and stuff like that, and good motivation and good performances. Yeah, I'm still just not about it though. That's basically what I'm saying. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I I agree with you on your second. You're, you're, when you when you uh, when you change your mind about it, I agree that there's there's talent and there's good there's a good writer, there's a good producer and everything like that, and the potential for a good actor and a good director to, to come on board. I'm yeah, not going yeah. to discount that, but I will and say. And I do feel like, and I feel like they honestly, I think they know that. How we feel about this, I think they know that. I think they're doing this shit on purpose. <laughs> like, I think they're trying to say, like, no, look, Superman is black. No, the Superman is black. You know what I mean? It's like they're trying to make a, like, make a point I mean, what was or your, something. What was your thoughts on uh, Black Johnny Storm? I didn't like it. <laughs> like, I, I mean, like, I honestly didn't like it because I didn't, they didn't bring nothing to the character to where I could understand him being black now. You know what I mean? I didn't, even though, you know, you got, um, Michael B. Jordan, uh, Michael B. <laughs> Jordan playing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he like, look, I ain't doing this shit no more. But like, even though you have Michael B. Jordan playing it and he's a great actor, I think he did good in that role, even though the movie was atrocious. I think, you know, I just, I, that's another scenario where it's like, oh, let's just change the character black. You know what I mean? And Hollywood does have a thing. If you notice. Race bend, um, gender j- bending. Yeah, they do it all the time. Well, no. Uh, well, yeah, they do. But if you notice in Hollywood movies for years now, since like the 80s, they always make sure to at least have one black person in the movie. Right. Like you could tell it's something that's like a Hollywood rule. Right. If it's a movie with all white people, 
you're gonna have someone in the movie that's black like right whether it's the taxi driver whether they're gonna have one role for a black person even if he dies right and i think you know uh with a lot of these superhero movies in the comics a lot of them were are white characters because you know it it was a different time back then so when they wrote characters they mostly wrote them right well uh, wrote them as white characters and so i feel like marvel movies and dc movies they feel obligated to change one of the characters black because it ain't enough white characters and uh, i think that's why they do that but i don't know if that's the situation here but that's why it annoys me so much in general okay and i just did a, a quick google search here because i was talking about a oh, black superman uh, the name of the guy, his name is Calvin Ellis. Calvin, Calvin Ellis. Calvin, yep, that's his name. Calvin, Calvin Ellis, Ellis has yeah. donned the, the name of Superman. He was Kal-El in an, in an alternate universe. Like, you know, so I was going to say, just do that. You know, that that wouldn't yeah, have been so. That's what I would love. I wouldn't mind. I love that. You know what I mean? So, I mean, and they've done it before with Steel. They had Shaq playing Steel. Like, and that's <laughs> a version of Superman. There you go. You know, but. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to the next story. And uh, I guess another well, I guess keeping um keeping up with the theme about race and stuff like that, uh, we're going to open up another can of worms here. It says here this comes from Rolling Stone, and it says here that uh, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange almost appeared in WandaVision, and Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige explains explains why a planned Doctor Strange appearance quote would have taken away from Wanda. Uh, it says here the story of WandaVision's main character, Wanda Maximoff, a.k.a. the Scarlet Witch, played by Elizabeth Olsen, is set to continue in 2022's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, but the two projects were almost linked much more directly, as Marvel Studios uh, president Kevin Feige reveals in uh, Rolling Stone's upcoming extensive oral history of WandaVision. Marvel struck a deal with Benedict Cumberbatch to appear in the final episode of the show as Doctor Strange, but late in the process, they wrote him out. Quote, some people might say, oh, it would have been so cool to see Doctor Strange, but it would have taken away from Wanda, which is what we didn't want to do. We didn't want to end the show to be commoditized to go to the next movie. Here's a white guy. Let me show you how power works. That meant to be a... That meant that the Doctor Strange movie, too, had to be re rewritten. In the end, Kevin Feige says Marvel's process is a wonderful combination of very dedicated coordination and chaos. Chaos magic. <laughs> At one point, uh, when Doctor Strange was supposed to be a part of the story, the in-universe commercials were going to be messages from Strange to Wanda. And there was also talk of having Cumberbatch appears in one of the ads, um, head writer uh, Jack Schaefer said. So, uh, Troy... Uh, I feel like the the one thing that people were clinging on to when it came to this this uh, specific uh, quote is that here's the white guy. Let me show you how power works. So that's the thing that people are in a tizzy about. So, so like, is that a quote from Feige? Yes, that's that's literally his words uh, printed here. That's like what you see in the article that has quotes around it. Those that's Kevin Feige saying out loud. He said, "Quote: We didn't want to end the show. Uh, we didn't want the end of the show to be commoditized to go to the next movie." And then hyphen. I guess that means a pause. Here's the white guy. Let me show you how powers works. So yeah. Uh. Well, with that situation, look. I. You know. I don't really. I think it was just a bad. I think it's a bad joke. Honestly, I don't know where he's going with that. I don't really. It don't even too much make sense. 
uh, I mean, I, I guess he, cause he's saying like, okay, I could just do what I could take a character out, put him in whatever. This is how power works. But I don't really get the point of saying it, you know? So I'm just assuming it was a bad joke and, or uh, whatever the case may be. I, you know, I, I don't think he's racist or something. I, I'm sure he's going to get backflash for that saying that, but I mean, he's done enough stuff to, for me to feel like he's not, he's clearly not on none of that racist stuff or anything. So that's just how I look at I that. Mean, Until well, I know I, the way I look at it is that it feels like he's just being woke. You know what I mean? Like, I guess, yeah. I guess the, 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 like the mental image of a white guy coming in and mansplaining powers to her is like, not good is, is the way I was taking it. Mm, yeah. I mean, who knows? I, I, you know, I, but I will say this though. Like, I feel like the the excuse he gave is bogus. Like, I don't know why he did it, you know, why he took Doctor Strange up, but the excuse he gave is bogus because that's all Marvel does is have characters appear. <laughs> I mean, you could say the thing, same thing for Iron Man showing up in Spider-Man. You could say the same thing about so much other, so many other appearances in, in movies, like in these Marvel movies. So how, you know, how, and how is Doctor Strange showing up in the very last episode gonna take away from Wanda when you had this whole television show dead literally dedicated to her you know it's more of her show than it is Vision Vision is more like a supporting character in the show right so him showing up isn't gonna take away oh man it's no longer Wanda's show now it's it's uh it's it's um it's his, it's his show now like is Doctor Strange show now? Like I don't, I don't buy that. That's ridiculous. Yeah, so, the first I, part of the quote didn't make sense. He says here, "We didn't want the end of the show to be commoditized to go to the next movie." That's literally what the MCU is about. It's even since like the beginning of the MCU. Yeah, when Iron Man that's showed up at the what, end of the exactly, Hulk. exactly. Like how you gonna say that now after all these years of making Post crossovers? <laughs> yeah, like you could like literally that to me that's equivalent to saying Nick Fury showing up at the end of Iron Man would take away from uh, uh iron man uh, no like that, i mean even though even even though that was an in credit scene but i'm st but still you know what i mean so i just i don't know I, I i felt like his that was bogus what he said and why i don't know why but that reason he gave i don't i don't buy that at all yeah i i feels like him talking it away is just made made it worse the situation worse uh, especially yeah. with his wording but also um my understanding and this is that he could have just even lied to everyone he could have just said oh uh uh benedict cumberbatch was stranded in new zealand because of covid restrictions he couldn't fly to shoot a scene right that would have been a better i mean and the thing is i think he is lying i think he just did a bad job at it like whatever <laughs> the reason is like he you know what like your excuse that you just gave is better than what he said you know what i mean <laughs> which i by the way i just made that up by the way because it could have right. it could have made sense if he couldn't film he couldn't physically film because like i right. do know that with uh, with wandavision the finale got screwed over by 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 covid so yeah uh, they had to rewrite yeah. some stuff and that's what I would have went with, and that's what I assumed because I heard early on before WandaVision even came out that uh, Doctor Strange was supposed to appear. So I assumed that was the case. Like, I assumed that, you know, because I felt like WandaVision, that's what WandaVision was missing, that big surprise, whether it was Mephisto or whether it was Doctor Strange. Like, they were setting up, you know, like this big epic surprise, and I felt like it didn't deliver on that. And so I always assumed that that was because of covid you know what i mean and i don't personally feel like the show needed that for it to be good or to deliver but i just felt like that's what they were doing and they just didn't do it so they kind of blindsided the fans but 
but for him to come out and say this, I just feel like what the hell is <laughs> that? Just don't make no sense. <laughs> a rare, a rare miss on an interview with from Kevin Feige there. Yes, 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 it is. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. This comes from Entertainment Weekly. EW.com reports Army of the Dead to play at Cinemark Theaters nationwide in a major shift for Netflix films. Uh, this mark this will mark the widest theatrical release yet for a Netflix movie. It says here. In the latest sign of swiftly turning tides in the movie business, Cinemark Theaters announced Tuesday that Netflix and Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead will play in more than 200 of its locations starting on May 14th. That's this Friday, which is one week before the film begins streaming. Smaller independent and regional theater chains, including Landmark Theaters and Alamo Drafthouse, will screen Army of the Dead as well. All told, the film will open on about 600 screens nationwide, the largest theatrical release yet for a Netflix film. Quote, Cinemark is excited to work with Netflix on our, on our first wide release and, prove, and provide movie lovers the opportunity to see Army of the Dead in our theaters across the U.S. Uh, Justin McDaniel, Cinemark's senior vice president of global content strategy, said in a statement, quote, Zack Snyder fans will love seeing the action in an immersive cinematic environment with larger than life sight and sound technology. For Cinemark, the third largest theater chain in the country to screen the film is an enormous coup for Netflix and the, and the beginning of a new chapter in movie theaters relationships with the streamer. Historically, the largest theater chains have declined to play Netflix films due to the long-standing theatrical window requiring movies to play exclusively on the big screen for 90 days. Netflix has consistently refused to abide by this agreement, even for such major films as Martin Scorsese, Martin Scorsese's $150 million plus The Irishman. The Irishman. But the COVID-19 pandemic up upended that window as movie theaters shuttered for months before emerging to a barren release schedule Studios began to test other avenues for releasing their films to viewers. By July, Universal had struck a historic agreement with AMC, the world's largest theater chains, to allow its movies to play on VOD after just 17 days in theaters. Then came Warner Brothers' announcement that its entire 2021 film slate would play on HBO Max and in theaters simultaneously. So, yeah, um, Troy, there's a lot of news there. It's very interesting that Cinemark inked this deal, so they're gonna they're basically the biggest theater chain to play Army of the Dead separate for a full seven day exclusivity before it ends up on uh on Netflix. Now I for one was planning on watching this on Netflix, but um what are your thoughts? Do you think you might go to the theaters for this or you might wait till oh, yeah. for Netflix? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to the theaters for this because I feel like this is a theater type of film. You know, Army of the Dead is gonna have action, it's gonna be a, a spectacle type of fun movie that i want to see in theater so it's cool that they're doing this and uh I, I mean it's good news it's good news and like really you know i think netflix i look at netflix if they're going to be releasing certain movies in theaters and they and they've already been given movie theatric theatrical runs but this is just going to be the biggest one i really look at netflix as a just a, a another studio that that does that makes movies like you look at paramount warner brothers only difference is they have a streaming service where their their movies are going to go to the streaming service instead of going to vod and they're not going to be in theaters that long but like i said 
I always say, like, if someone's excited for a movie, you're not going to go three, four weeks without seeing the movie and being in theaters that long. You know, if I'm excited for a movie, I'm going to see it within the first three or four weeks. So I just look at it like, you know, this is this is good news for me because I feel like there's some Netflix movies that I'm like, man, this has the scope to be seen in theaters. And it's a disservice to this movie industry that certain movies are getting made without being able to be shown on the big screen. And I love how Netflix has embraced that. And that also kind of separates them from other uh, different platforms that aren't willing to play their movies in theaters or whatever, because it really doesn't do them a big it kind of does them a disservice to play their movies in theaters and that's why netflix refused to do the like three month thing because it's like that that defeats the purpose of having an exclusive streaming service and then it's not on your streaming service right so but i think they acknowledge that it's just best for the movie you know the movie the whole movie um experience in general so and they they've you know kind of expanded it a little bit so this is good news for me yeah, um, I wonder how much money the movie's going to make in the in the box office, and I I wonder if it's going to be a situation where they're going to play it and then they're going to pull it from release after it goes to Netflix, or they're just going to play it for ninety days, you know, and let it ride out while it's also on Netflix. Um, yeah, see, I I don't really know, but see, one of the things that that Netflix has to do because it's kind of dangerous here. Like Netflix, they don't really promote their movies, right? And I always, I always, always, I'm always been on the side of that because I'm not gonna say I'm on the side of that, but I understand why. Like, why pay money to promote something that's just gonna be on your streaming service? You know, you could look up what's gonna be new on your streaming service. So I always understood that. But if you're gonna start putting movies in theaters or certain movies in theaters, you have to put marketing behind it because then you're wasting money because you're putting it in theaters and people don't even know it's in theaters, but you already, you know, paying the theater chains and stuff like that. And now, and then it's also not on your platform. So that's not helping you one bit, you know, while it's in theaters. So they're going to have to put marketing behind some of these movies. They can't just kind of do how they do with Netflix and just say, all right, it's, it's there, you know, go look at it. Right. It's not going to work. So we're going to have to see how they do to see what they going to do with box office. Cause Army of the Dead will bomb. It ain't like Army of the Dead is just the highest anticipated movie ever. It'll bomb. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just being real. Like us movie fans are like looking forward to it and stuff like that. But it's a lot of people that don't even know it exists. True. So. Yeah, because it just shows up on Netflix and then it's trending and that's it. Yeah. Right. But it won't. Exactly. You can't just put it in theaters and then it'll go straight to number one at the box office. You know. What I mean? Right. It don't work like that. So yeah, yeah that's why. That's kind of that's a little predicament that I think they got to really think about. Yeah, I don't know. I do. Have, we have Cinemarks near us, by the way, and uh, we. I, I'm pretty sure it'll play there. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I haven't quite decided what I wanted to do about watching it. I was my. I was still intending on watching it next week on on Netflix because I'm so. I'm more of a stay at home kind of guy when it comes to watching movies as of late. Yeah. But uh, and yeah. you got a big ass TV anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, uh, let's go ahead and move on to the final story. And this is uh, more of like the more breaking stories that just came out this uh, today. Um, it says here that NBC will not air the next Golden Globes after a diversity controversy. This comes from CNN. And it says here uh, the, Golden the Golden Globes will not be airing next uh, on NBC next year, uh, temporarily ending a decades-long relationship between the network and the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, uh, the nonprofit responsible for the awards. 
The network announced that it would not carry the show in 2022 after controversy surrounding the Hollywood Foreign Press Association's lack of diversity and ethical questions related to the financial benefits given to some members, such as a hotel stay in connection with an Emily in Paris junket. Uh, Those revelations first reported by the Los Angeles Times have prompted several major outlets, including Netflix and Warner Media, CNN's parent company, to announce that they would not participate in the in any globes related e- events until the issue has been adequately addressed quote we continue to believe that the hollywood foreign press association is committed to meaningful reform however change of this magnitude takes time and work and we feel strongly that the hollywood foreign press association needs time to do it right as such nbc will not air the 2022 golden globes nbc said in a statement on monday The network added that assuming the organization, quote, executes on its plans, we are hopeful we will be in a position to air the show in January 2023. Uh, The Times reporting found out that the the group has no black members and raised questions about the benefits received by some members stemming from the millions that NBC pays for the right to televise the event, which has traditionally been one of the highest rated in the awards calendar. This year, however, ratings have plummeted for the award show, uh, for award shows across the board, including the Globes, due to a confluence of factors foremost among the coronavirus pandemic. The show, which was hosted by Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, was watched by 6.9 million viewers, the lowest rating since the program moved to NBC in the 1990s. So, Troy, you hear this, you hear about this controversy. NBC is not going to air the Golden Globes next year. Um, what are your thoughts on this, and uh, what what are your thoughts about like the Hollywood Foreign Press not having black members? Well, I listen. I understand what NBC is doing. I I agree with what they're doing because it's like, listen, man, we're in twenty twenty one. It's like, are we still? And I'm not even saying, look, I'm not even finna pull the race card and do all this other stuff. But it's like, just from a common sense perspective, like just from common sense, it's like. We did they the Oscars just dealt with this whole Oscar so white thing like <laughs> back in twenty you know sixteen they just dealt with this so this is a common sense thing so even if you're if you're any business right now I'll just start hiring black people fuck it like I'll just look we need some more black people we need diverse like that that's just common sense so for you to be here in twenty twenty one and people are having a hard time finding black people that even work and and then we're finding out you know that other people are getting treated unfairly and stuff like that like this this deserves to happen to y'all like like it's like this deserve like y'all st- should have stepped it up and th- this shouldn't be a thing like this is one thing that shouldn't be an issue no more like controversy should be something else like oh this person got robbed or oh this person's speech was too long or oh they didn't have a host that's what the controversy should be about we shouldn't still be having controversies about diversity and stuff like that you know what i mean so i get it nbc that you know they're stepping up and they're doing what they're supposed to do they have to do things like this to change things and make things better if they just you know uh turn the other cheek or they try to ignore it or they just give them a little slap on the wrist that nothing will change so i i applaud nbc for stepping up like that i wonder what kind of uh i wonder what the gamble is going to be on this one because like what if what if the Golden Globes is like the first award show to go straight to streaming? Like we're going to stream it on Twitch or something like that. Let's just humor me for a bit here because like the Oscars, they don't stream or whatever. So like, what if- listen, 
How should I go for it? I, 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 I personally, I wouldn't even worry about that if I was them because the Golden Globes is the Golden Globes. <laughs> like everyone look at the Golden Globes as just like a, a rip off Oscars anyway, right? Like you see the numbers. Like it ain't nothing to, it ain't nothing to, to hide. You see the numbers. Like, like they may go to a streaming service or whatever, and they may lose the Globes, but. Well, you that's know, what I was I gonna say. Is, is my 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 what if scenario is like what if the Golden Globes uh, benefits from this? Like, what if they they ink a more lucrative deal with like ABC or with Twitch or something like that? And next thing you know, they come out ahead or their numbers go, grows or whatever, and then NBC is left holding the bag, and now they can't get that exclusive deal well, anymore. Well, see, here's the thing. Well, here's the thing. If NBC is truly doing what they feel that's right. That don't matter. You know what I'm saying? I know everything. Everything is a business. Everything is about money. And I get that. But it seems like here NBC is doing what's genuinely right. And I don't think they're, money be damned. you know. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? And and from what it sounds like, they, it looks like they already came to the table because they already brought up 2023. You know what I mean? So it seems like they said, look, you know, I'm, we're, we're going to stop. We're not doing y'all next year, but 2023, we could be back on and going. You know what I mean? So it seems like, hey, like they're kind of under, they have an understanding, if you will. Like, look, you know, y'all on punishment for next year, but, you know, y'all get y'all shit together and we good for 2023. So I don't think they're just like, you know, straight up canceling them. You know, and and saying, all right, y'all got to go find another network. But they're saying, like, all right, you know, y'all got to take a break for a little while, and we'll bring you back. So, but who knows? Yeah, we'll uh, we'll continue to like continue to, like to cover this as well because I'm pretty sure this is uh, going to be an ongoing thing, especially with uh, you know going into next year. the The Golden Globes is going to have to announce where they're going to be airing and if they're going to be airing at all. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll go ahead and continue to you know put a pin in that for now. In the meantime. Let's go ahead and move on to extra news. We got six items here. Number one, Loki will now debut on Wednesdays instead of Fridays, moving the release Ooh. date up uh, to June 9th instead of June 11th. Number two, Ooh. Blade will now enter production in 2022. Number three, Carlos Valdez and Tom Cavanaugh to leave The Flash after season seven. Number four, Tom Hanks' new film, The Finch, which was originally titled Bios, was brought was bought by Apple TV Plus. Number five, Wrath of Man opened to number one at eight million dollar week uh, to an eight million dollar weekend at the box office. And finally, number six, Andrew Garfield denies being in Spider Man No Way Home. So, Troy, you see these headlines. What are your thoughts? Well, listen, I love the idea of Loki. You know, they being on Wednesday, um, and like that being the day that it shows because. I feel like um, in the middle of the week, I feel like it goes by so quick because you think about it, the weekends always go by fast, right? And Wednesday is the middle of the week. So it, to me, it just feel like, even though technically it's not, right? It's still one day out of the week. It just feel like it's getting here so much quicker. So like, if I love Loki, the first episode, like Wednesday, bam, right here before you know, it, we already seeing, you know what I mean? The second episode. So I just like that day better than Fridays. I don't know well, why. I just think. If uh, you think about it, like everything that has been airing on Disney Plus from the Mandalorian to WandaVision to Falcon and the Winter Soldier has been debuting on Fridays. And right. uh, what's happening is uh, the Bad Batch is going on right now. And my understanding is that the Bad Batch has got like 20 something episodes. So yeah. I thinking, I'm thinking that Disney Plus doesn't want to drop two new episodes of a show at the same time of like mm. Loki and the Bad Batch. So they want to split yeah. it. So they're moving Loki uh, to Wednesdays, and so that way maybe their their servers don't crash or something like that. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, and it's it's good news because I mean, think about it. Down the line, we're gonna have multiple shows running simultaneously in terms of just both being on Disney Plus at the same time. True. So this this is good news that like because they, it you know they're gonna have to do like how you saying and have multiple days. So you imagine one Star Wars show on Tuesday, a Marvel show on Wednesday, and then some other show on Friday. It's like damn, this shit gonna be amazing. You know what I mean? Like so yeah, that I, I agree with you too. Like I don't think they would want. I think they want one day dedicated to a certain television show. Plus, you know on what top I mean? of that, so, Disney, they got it like that. They can literally put Loki out on Sundays and everyone will watch it. You know what I mean? So it's like. Yeah, right. Any day of the week. It don't even matter. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's dope news to me. And then um, Andrew Garfield denied being in Spider-Man No Way Home. Look, I got to say, first, first of all, I got to say, I never thought Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire was going to be in this what? anyway. I Unless, did. Yeah, <laughs> and, well, here's why, though, because... Like, how can they keep them a secret like that, though? Like, how, unless they're showing up for a, a scene like uh, J. Jonah Jameson did in Spider-Man Far From Home when he showed up at the end or something, right? Like, them the only type of scenes you can hide from the press. Like, how is it, you know, they've been shooting so long and there's no photos, no nothing. Like, unless they doing some revolutionary shit and hiding this shit for the surprise, like, I just don't see how they're going to pull that off. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we know officially and and why. And then here's the bigger thing, though. Like, why would they keep this a secret? Think about from a marketing perspective, what announcing that Andrew Garfield Spider-Man and Tobey Maguire, uh, Toby Maguire Spider-Man is officially in the movie. What that'll do for the marketing of this movie. Why keep that a secret? I mean, even if you don't explain what they're in there for, like they did it with Jamie Foxx. He's officially announced as Electro in in this movie. So why wouldn't you announce it and why wouldn't you market that? You know what I mean? So I just I like as more and more time goes on, I'm like, man, maybe they're not in this movie. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, who knows? They still could be. And that leads me on to my second point. I don't believe no actor when they say they're not in no movie like that. That's like like because what is an actor supposed to do? Say like if they're under contract and they're saying like, look, you can't reveal that you're in this movie. Like, what are they going to say? It's like, yeah, uh, I'm not supposed to tell y'all. But yeah, I'm in the movie. I show up in scene eight and I blah, blah, blah. Like, of course, they're going to say, no, I'm not in it, you know, or like and even and you don't even understand. Like when actors say, oh, no comment, that means they're usually probably in the movie. Right. Because if you're not in the movie, you're just going to say, no, I'm not I'm not in it. Like I have nothing to do with it don't think that i'm in this movie right so if when actors say no comment or they reveal it you know what i mean they probably in the movie but actors ain't gonna reveal it because they're gonna get sued so i just don't uh I, I don't know like i don't believe that he's i don't believe his words but for other reasons i'm starting to kind of not believe that they're in the movie uh anyway unless it's like a cameo like maybe if the, if if they shows up as a cameo it's like okay but do are we really excited about a cameo like i mean i'll be excited to see it it'll be a fun surprise to see it but as a cameo i don't think i'm gonna be jumping up and down for a cameo so who knows though okay all right my last thing my last big takeaway is carlos valdez leaving the flash uh he plays cisco he was one of the best uh, characters and that makes the show really good there was even a little little mini arc where his character was uh was missed a couple of episodes and the show kind of like feels it out without him kind of stuff so uh, i'm also uh surprised that the flash is even still going on to tell you the truth so i feel like they should either end it this season with season seven or end the show on season eight 
but well, who knows? Um, I feel like, I don't know about this, but I feel like all of the Arrowverse is plummeting in ratings and stuff like that. So they all might get can- They all might get canceled See, anyways. I, they need to get canceled. They should have been got canceled. But th- this being said, though, they should get canceled. But I hope they do something like how Marvel did. Like, remember how Marvel had, like, they, they Netflix uh you know, shows going like Jessica Jones and, and all those different shows, uh, like Daredevil and all that. Like, I hope, and then you know how they kind of canceled that because they're doing the Disney Plus shows. Like, I hope DC does something like that too. That'll be dope. Like, they canceled the Arrowverse that's been going on for a while now. Let's just move on to, to like HBO something Max, more, you know, like a- HBO Max. Yeah, exactly. And they're already doing it with one show, like this Gotham show they got going on that's going to be connected to the Robert Pants and Batman, which I'm excited about. I hope they do more stuff like that. Okay, fair enough. Let's go ahead and move on to check this out. So for Check This Out, we have some good trailers. Uh, not too many, but also just right. So the first one, I would say the big headliner is going to be Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Uh, the trailer just dropped, and uh, we, we get to see Woody Harrelson as uh, Cletus Cassidy, and he's no longer wearing that god-awful wig from the end credits of Venom. <laughs> uh, yeah, it looks dope as hell. Did you see this trailer? Yeah, I seen it. I ain't gonna lie. I didn't really. I ain't really like it too much. What? Uh, yeah, I didn't really like it. it. It had a lot of dope stuff in it, but I'm not a fan. I wasn't a fan of Venom, and uh, the reason why I wasn't a fan of Venom is because I thought the movie was tone conflicting. Like they wanted to go for this dark kind of horror vibe, but at the same time, they didn't want it too serious, like the DC movies could be at times. And so they tried to, you know, make it light at times too which was like tone conflicting it's different if you have humor in a dark movie they was more like had light tones at some points and then had dark stuff and it was like interweaving and it didn't work and like just watching this trailer it already feels like that to me but i mean that's just my opinion because i i mean it, it was some awesome shit in there and if people aren't like analyzing stuff how i do i can see how people like oh this shit was badass it looked like he was about to bite his head off and you know da da da. but like for me like it just didn't like all of the scenes with venom talking it didn't work for me i was like it just came off weird, like it, it, like more than anything, like him cooking breakfast and doing all that yes. extra stuff. I'm like, the him that, cooking that breakfast just... was like the best part. That's how the trailer starts, <laughs> right? And I didn't like it, oh. and, and, and yeah. So like that's what I'm saying. Like for me, I just it, it tonally, it's just something off tonally for me. Like it's not tone is very important. If you're gonna go with Ant Man light. All right, let the movie be Ant-Man light. If you're going to go with Joker dark, then let the movie be Joker dark. But I don't feel like you could kind of mix it. You know what I'm saying? And that's the problem I think they have. But Carnage is one of my favorite characters in anything. Carnage is one of my top five favorite characters. Well, I wouldn't say top five, but maybe top ten favorite characters. So, you know, that alone is going to make me show up day one to see this movie. But uh, just for the trailer to me, I don't know how I feel about it. All right, well, the next up, we got an official teaser trailer, which is 30 seconds long. Uh, we have a, uh, it's called The Tomorrow War. It's starring Chris Pratt and Yvonne uh, Strahovski and J.K. Simmons. It's going to be debuting on Amazon Prime on July 2nd. Um, not a whole lot to, to talk about because it's like really quick, 30 seconds of just action. Um, it looks uh, it looks like to take place in like one of those uh, like post-apocalyptic futures and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be uh, looking forward to that. The next trailer up, we got Rogue Hostage, which is a movie starring Tyrese Gibson. You know, he's finally headlining oh, a movie uh, and not just being like a supporting character in the Fast Saga. 
Um, have you seen the trailer for this? No, I haven't. I'm not really interested in anything Tyrese is in, really. Damn. Uh, but unless he's in uh, like something that's of note or something that I'm looking forward to. But uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to diss him like that. No disrespect <laughs> to Tyrese. It's just I'm not like I'm. You know, I'm not gonna see a Tyrese and be like, oh, I gotta see it. You know, it's just. Well, it's also starring John Malkovich, and he's basically uh, the, he's like shopping at a grocery store with his family, and then this terrorist just comes in and just takes everyone hostage in the grocery store. And uh, yeah, and he's got to be the action hero that stops the and thwarts some stuff like that. So yeah, it looks like a run of the mill action movie and stuff like that. I believe uh, John Malkovich is might be the mayor of the city or something like that, and then like the terrorist is targeting him or whatever. So and now you know they, it's kind of it's kind of like a diehard ripoff essentially kind of thing, but in a grocery store. So yeah, I'm so sick of seeing these movies that are basically sequels <laughs> to other classic shit. Uh, next up is a Quiet Place Part Two. There was a final trailer that was released, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, uh, the final trailer. It's a bit redundant and stuff like that because you know the movie had a was supposed to have came out last year that had its own final final trailer last year. So <laughs> this trailer here. Was the worst trailer what? I have ever. Nah, I'm lying. I'm lying. Listen, I ain't gonna lie. It, it redundant. I don't give a damn. This shit would had me. This had me so excited for this. Like, okay, because here's the thing with sequels, right? They always have this problem where they they have a great idea for the first movie, but they can't. They feel like they can't just repeat what they did, right? But then they don't want to go too far away from what they did, what made people like it in the first place. What I love about this trailer, it lets you know that they following that fine line of like, all right, we're giving you what you loved in the first one, but we're going separate. We're doing, you know, it's going to be, it's a reason why it's a part two. And, and if any other trailer didn't show that or realize that, this trailer did and uh man i'm excited i'm, I'm ready to see uh, quiet place on day one all right and the last or the last trailer that we have to talk about is a kevin hart movie that's coming straight to netflix called fatherhood have you seen this trailer no i seen the uh poster the poster was uh was pretty cool of like him like in a in like in a uh the little thing with his baby or whatever but i didn't get to see the trailer no uh, it's starting and in a netflix movie it's a, going straight to netflix yes yeah, coming out on june yeah. 18th um and it's starring kevin hart and lil ray howry <laughs> and uh did you see it did you see it? yeah i have i have what, what you think um it was all right i wasn't really like too big on it it's kind of like kevin hart trying to do another dramatic role kind of thing but in the oh, kevin hart kind of way yeah. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, synopsis yeah. reads a widower, a widower struggles to raise his daughter alone, which is, uh, Kevin Hart is the widower. He's a single dad and he's got a daughter and he's like trying, he's struggling to, to raise him. And like, that's, yeah, it's, it's all right. I didn't really think too much of it. I'm not even, I'm not even entirely convinced I'm going to even watch this when it drops on Netflix to tell you the truth. <laughs> yeah. Me either. Kevin Hart, he, he, he needs a comeback. So we go see. <laughs> and the final thing to talk about here on check this out is a, a little meme. Uh, there's a whole YouTube channel dedicated to this. It's called honest trailers and, uh, they honest trailers, re uh, they released a new honest trailer today for, uh, the mortal Kombat movie. So I'll be linking to that in the show notes as well. Check it out. It's funny. Um, uh, they, they, uh, honest trailers hasn't had a good honest trailer in a long time, but I feel like this is like the, their, one of their best ones they've had in a while. Uh, back in the day when they first, uh, created the channel and stuff like that, screen junkies, 
whenever they were making it, they were making an honest trailer every two weeks. And that's why, yeah. that's how you know that they were able to put some time and effort into the jokes. And now that they're pumping yeah. it up once a week and stuff like that, they're having, they've been hit or miss. But, uh, yeah. have you, what do you think about honest trailers in general? Because I know you, you probably didn't watch this one yet. Uh, I, I think they're fun. I think they're fun and funny. And like, I really start liking them when I realize they do all like it's not just the bad stuff, right? Because you know they just it's just a fun thing they do in general with all movies, good, bad, anything. So uh, that that makes me like them even more. If they only did bad movies, that's like it's almost like they're picking on the stuff that's you know what I mean that's already getting critically destroyed. So, uh, but I think that's my favorite thing about them. I haven't watched one of their videos in a while, but yeah, I remember pr- being pretty cool with them. <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and move on. It's time for topic of the show. So for topic of the show, we have, uh, it's going to be such a very, very long topic of the show. So we'll try to speed run it because we're kind of already getting there on time, but uh, we're going to actually do this in two parts. So I'm going to give you a schedule right now. It's episode 18. We're doing uh, the topic of the show is going to be the best summer movie season. And this is going to be part one on episode 20. We will do part two. But for next week's episode, episode 19, we're going to take a break from this topic of the show and, uh, do a topic where we predict the top 10 uh, grossing domestic summer movies of 2021. So that's your homework assignment for the next week, Troy, is uh, put a list of the 10 movies that are going to be making the most money here in the U.S. Oh, okay. That'd be fun. All right. And then we'll do our little guessing game and we'll reveal those results at the end of the summer. Uh, But... So what I, we were been on this hype train where I've been talking about like summer movie season. Last week's episode, we talked about like how to how to kick off the summer, right? And and now I want us to talk about what summer was pound for pound the best summer to go to the movies, where every week you're going to be going to the movies to see a banger. Mm. So that's where I got a little list. And, uh, I got a list together of all the movies and the financials, a uh, little bit of financials for them. And I also wanted to say that this is so long that I decided to break it up into two parts. So for part one, we're going to be talking about the years 2000 to 2009, that decade. For part two, we will talk about 2010 to 2019. And maybe at the end of part two, we will like maybe do an overall winner. But for now, we're going to declare a winner for the decade. Okay. All right. So... To kick, to kick things off here, um, I want to first start off and note one, uh, two things. Number one, I'm only going to be talking about the wide releases. So there will be, uh, I will mention a couple of limited releases, but they will not count for financial data. I will not consider the grosses for the limited uh, movies. I'll just say, hey, that was a limited movie that came out and then move on. Uh, so I'm only going to be talking about wide releases and, uh, and, their, and their financials. All right. So to, to kick things off here in summer of 2000, Gladiator started things off. Then, uh, and by the way, another thing, it's a chronological order. Everything I'm going to be reading out, it's going to go from May to August. All right. Gladiator, Battlefield Earth, Held Up, starring Jamie Foxx, Road Trip, Mission Impossible 2, Shanghai Noon, Big Mama's House, Gone in 60 Seconds, Titan AE, Shaft, Me, Myself, and Irene, Chicken Run, The Patriot, The Perfect Storm, the Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, Scary Movie, The Kid, starring Bruce Willis, X-Men, What Lies Beneath, Pokemon the Movie 2000, Loser, starring Jason Biggs, Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps, Hollow Man, Space Cowboys, Coyote Ugly, 
The Replacements, starring Keanu Reeves. Bless the Child, The Cell, starring Jennifer Lopez. The Art of War, starring Wesley Snipes. And Bring It On. So you see this list of movies, uh, Troy. Uh, what are your thoughts about like the summer movie season for, for the summer of 2000? Man, it was actually a good season. Better than I thought, but looking back, I was like a lot of these movies I loved. I love The Perfect Storm. I love X-Men. I love Pokemon, the movie 2000. Uh, you know, I, I loved um, I loved a few. Mission Impossible 2 was fun. Oh, man, Mission Impossible uh, 2 was trash. It was trash, but I, it was a fun. It's a name, you <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying? Gladiator, uh, okay. like so. It's Battlefield Earth, dude. Come on, you remember that movie with John Travolta? Yeah, yeah, Battlefield Earth. <laughs> so yeah, I have the financials here, and it says here that the highest grossing movie of the summer of 2000 was Mission Impossible 2 at 215 See? million. That's even though it sucked, it counted as a blockbuster. <laughs> 215 million is quaint by by today's standards. By the way, just want to throw that out there. Yeah, but uh, that's inflation. Yeah, and then it also was the highest opening weekend of that summer at $57 million. Battlefield Earth was the biggest flop of the summer. It tanked at $21 million. And uh, the lowest opening weekend was uh, the Jason Biggs movie, Loser, with just $6 million. Yeah. Um, I will say this, and this is something that I was noticing, is that um, this was during the age of movie stars, um, like things like the replacement with Gene Hackman and, Ke- and Keanu Reeves, uh, you know, Jason Biggs was still big on from the American Pie movies. Like movies were like marketed based off of who was in the movie or the concept, and it wasn't so much a franchise. Yeah. So yeah. as we go, go into the decade, as we get into like the 2010s or the end of the 2000s, we will start to see that franchises start taking over, and it becomes less about the movie stars. But uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, let's go ahead and move on to 2001. So here's the the lineup. The Mummy Returns, A Knight's Tale, Shrek, Angel Eyes, Moulin Rouge, Pearl Harbor, The Animal, starring uh, Rob Schneider, What's the Worst That Could Happen, starring Martin Lawrence and Danny DeVito, Swordfish, Evolution, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, Dr. Doolittle 2, The Fast and the Furious, Baby Boy, starring Tyrese, AI, Artificial Intelligence, Pootie Tang, starring Chris Rock. Scary Movie 2, Cats and Dogs. Kiss of the Dragon, starring Jet Li. Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. Legally Blonde, The Score, starring Robert De Niro and Edward Norton. Jurassic Park 3, Planet of the Apes. Rush Hour 2, The Princess Diaries, starring Anne Hathaway. American Pie 2, Osmosis Jones. The Others, starring Nicole Kidman. Rat Race, starring Everybody. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Bubble Boy starring Jake Gyllenhaal, and Jeepers Creepers. <laughs> so, man, this this was I mean shit. Just based off what you read so far, I don't know the other one. This one of my favorite years. Okay, two thousand and one. I feel like it was a step backwards for me. I think two thousand was stronger. Really? See, for me, like I remember Swordfish being a hit. Man, Swordfish was dope. You know what I mean? I think. I mean, come on now. Uh, the Fast and uh, the Furious got, is good. I'll give you that one. The Fast and Furious, Jeepers Creepers, you know what I mean? Like, uh, Scary Movie 2, uh, The Mummy, I don't know, The Mummy Returns, Shrek. Like, I mean, Jesus Christ. They got some shit, Planet, uh, Planet of the Apes wasn't, as, wasn't that good. It shouldn't have been. Rush Hour 2? <laughs> like, Oh no! Okay, all right, okay, hey, I right, you convinced me, but I will say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love Rat Race. I watched that shit on repeat back in the day. It had like Whoopi Goldberg, Breckenmeyer, Meyer, Amy Smart, and like Cuba Gooding Jr. 
uh, a bunch of people and stuff like that. Like I was literally like so many people in that, in that, uh, but yeah, you know what? I'll give it to you that one. I think, I think maybe summer of 2001 was better, but, uh, also I, 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 I will say guilty pleasure legally blonde i actually rewatched it on yeah, netflix legally blonde. I, wa- I rewatched it on netflix like last year and it actually still holds up for me yeah um highest grossing movie of 2000 of summer of 2001 was shrek at 267 million dollars which also went on to win the first the inaugural best animated feature film oscar so there you go yeah uh the highest opening weekend was the mummy the mummy returns at 68 million dollars by the way okay. shrek made more money in its third weekend in theaters than it did in its first two weekends. So yeah, Shrek made like 40 something million on weekend, weekend one, 40 something million on weekend two. And then it went up to 50 something million on weekend three, which is Memorial day weekend. So yeah. that's something to, 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 to think about there. That's on, almost unheard of. Um, the lowest grossing movie of the summer was bubble boy, which was the Jake Gyllenhaal movie where he's like literally like in a bubble uh, he made it made five million dollars total gross, uh, and then it only opened at two million dollars, which is also the lowest opening. So yeah, that's two thousand one. Oh uh, two, we go to Spider Man, Deuces Wild, The New Guy, Unfaithful, Star Wars Episode Two, Attack of the Clone, uh, Clones, About a Boy, Enough, starring Jennifer Lopez, Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron, which is an animated movie starring Matt Damon, Insomnia, The Sum of All Fears. Mm. Um, undercover brother <laughs> that i was at eddie was it eddie griffin uh, eddie griffith yeah yeah we, they don't make movies like that anymore uh Mm-mm. bad company starring anthony hopkins and chris rock divine secrets of the yaya sisterhood starring sandra bullock scooby-doo wind talkers the born identity lilo and stitch minority report also speaking of movies that don't get made anymore joanna man <laughs> <laughs> mr deeds hey arnold the movie men in black 2 like Mike, the Powerpuff Girls movie, Reign of Fire, Halloween Resurrection, I believe that's the one starring Busta Rhymes, uh, Road to Perdition, The Crocodile Hunter Collision Course, Stuart Little 2, Austin Powers and Goldmember, Signs, The Master of Disguise, Martin Lawrence's Martin Lawrence Live, Run Tell Dat, which was a, a stand-up special, which is stuff that gets thrown on Netflix these days, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, Spy Kids 2, Island of Lost Dreams, Triple X, Blue Crush, The Adventures of Pluto Nash, One Hour Photo, and Fear.com. Holy shit. Does it just me as every summer seems to get better than better? Well, I didn't really like this summer. I ain't gonna even lie. Like, I mean, other than Spider-Man, I like Insomnia, of course. That's the Nolan classic. Yeah. Uh, other than that, like, I really... Uh, I mean, I, Star Wars. I mean, okay, Attack of the Clones. I liked it. Star at the Wars time. was trash. I, I, I ain't gonna lie. Star Wars was trash to me. So I, you know, I, the the prequels are trash to me. So like, I'm looking at it. I mean, as far as name notoriety, okay, it sounds good, but I mean, I'm just looking at it. Like, oh, I did like Austin Powers Gold Member. That's that's always a guilt. All the Austin Powers are a guilty movie that was pleasure the of mine. Of three, in my opinion, that was the weakest of the three. I think the spot who shagged me was the best, yes. and then the first one, yes, and then Gold Member. But I still loved that one. It was funny as hell. And so, but other than that, I mean, Halloween it was weak. Halloween Resurrection was weak. Uh, Man in Black like, Two I, was weak. Yes. Okay. All right. Man in Black Two uh, was weak. Um, Man, I, I got, yeah, I give, like to, I give it up to Spider Man, Star Wars, Triple uh, X. I love that movie. Um, 
one hour photo was a you know dramatic turn for Robert, Robin Williams and stuff like that. So, uh, I, you know, Minority Report also is a classic. I would say. Um, I don't really like Minority Report like damn. that. Damn. Okay. Yeah, Spielberg. I mean, it wasn't bad. I'm just I ain't you know it ain't one of my top fifty movies. So the winner of the summer of 2002 was Spider Man. It grossed uh, 403 million dollars. And it also opened to the highest at $114 million. The lowest grossing wide release movie of summer of 2002 was um, The Adventures of Pluto Nash, which was an Eddie Murphy movie that basically tanked his career for a while. Um, It made $4 million at the box office um, and then also only opened to 2.2 or 2.1, excuse me. Um, Next up, 03, X2, X-Men United, the Lizzie McGuire movie, Daddy Daycare, The Matrix Reloaded, Bruce Almighty, Finding Nemo, The Italian Job, Wrong Turn, Too Fast, Too Furious, Rugrats Go Wild, Hollywood Homicide starring Harrison Ford and Josh Hartnett, Dumb and Dumber When Harry Met Lloyd, Hulk, From Justin to Kelly, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, 28 Days Later, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, Legally Blonde 2, Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Bad Boys 2, Johnny English, Spy Kids 3D, Game Over, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, The, the Cradle of Life, Sea Biscuit, American Wedding, Geely, Freaky Friday, SWAT, Freddy vs. Jason, Uptown Girls, Open Range, Grind, The Medallion, starring Jackie Chan, my Boss's Daughter, starring Ashton Kutcher and Tara Reid. Marcy X, starring Lisa Kudrow and Damon Wayans Jr. No, Damon Wayans. Jeepers Creepers 2. All right, so th- I'm not going to lie. This one kind of feels like this is like the, in the lead now. For- yeah, this one in the league for me. I mean, you, you got X-Men 2, the best, one of the best X-Men out there. I'm a big fan of Fast and Furious. Too Fast, Too Furious. I liked it. Dumb and Dumber. Okay, no, that no, alone. no, 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 no. We don't. Dumb and Dumber, when Harry Met Lloyd, was a prequel movie that was trash. Oh, that's not. Oh, that's not the first Dumb and Dumber? No, the first Dumb and Dumber was in the 90s. Oh, I'm tripping. You right. I never knew they made a. <laughs> I never knew they made a prequel to Dumb and Dumber. I thought it was just Dumb and Dumber and Dumb and Dumber nope, 2. Nope. Nobody talks about oh, the okay. prequel. No, because everyone wants to forget that the prequel even exists. Uh, oh my goodness! Well, that almost takes this one off the list for me. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, cause I, cause if you put Dumb and Dumber and X Men Two in the same year, shit, <laughs> that's almost, that's a win automatically. Almost, I almost even though I, this, I almost want to give this an L because you yeah, have this an L. three bad movies in the same summer. Geely, Geely, the prequel that one that sucks and. Uh, the Kelly Clarkson, Justin Guarini movie from you know, American Idol from Justin to yeah. Kelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and Matrix Reloaded. Oh, this an L. Nah, this an L. <laughs> and we killed Sean Connery's career with the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, this an L, man. I ain't gonna lie. I ain't finna other than X two was there. Pi- but... Okay, Pirates One was a perfect movie. I'm not gonna lie. Nah, Pirates One was a masterpiece, yes. and Johnny Depp was special in that. Yes. That was one of his best performances. All right, so we got we, it's a W and an L, but like I think the L weighs it down for me. Yeah, it's an L for uh, me. Damn it. Okay, 
The biggest winner was Finding Nemo. It grossed three hundred and thirty-nine million dollars. Oh yeah, yeah, Finding Nemo. Yeah, that's good. That that Finding Nemo is a classic. Yes, um, and also the highest opening weekend of the summer of '03 was The Matrix Reloaded at ninety-one million. Uh, the lowest-grossing wide-release movie was Marcy X at one point six million dollars, and it opened to just eight hundred and seventy-two thousand dollars. Do you remember Marcy X? Because I do. I don't. Oh my god, dude! I watched it at Blockbuster. We rented it and stuff like that. It's basically like uh, Damon Wayans plays like a rapper in the vein of Eminem, and Lisa Kudrow is like the wife of a senator, and he's like kind of like you know like uh, Dick Cheney's wife or whatever, like Miss Cheney kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Basically, it's kind of like doing a parody of Eminem and like you know being controversial and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it was a whole. Um, it was a whole funny ass thing where uh, there was a, an award show where like it was like the MTV award show and he yeah. performs and uh, he starts off singing this like one song like it's all like well hey like shit I'm gonna ha- I'll check it out but we need to get it going oh, okay. so, all, like, right, all right all right all right yeah. fine fine but anyways it's a shitty movie but it's got some funny ass moments oh four yeah. Van Helsing New York Minute Super Size Me which is limited release Troy because <laughs> you know. Hey. Breaking All the Rules, Shrek 2, The Day After Tomorrow, Raising Helen, Soul Plane, Harry Potter hey. and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Garfield, hey. The Step for Wives, The Chronicles of Riddick, Napoleon Dynamite, which did get a wide release later in August, Saved, which was limited release, Around the World in 80 Days, Terminal, Dodgeball, A True Underdog Story, White Chicks, that movie will never get made again, Fahrenheit 9-11, The Notebook, Two Brothers, Spider-Man 2, Before Sunset, King Arthur, Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, Sleepover, iRobot, a, Cinder- a Cinderella story starring Hilary Duff, the, Su- the Born Supremacy, Catwoman, The Village, The Manchurian Candidate, Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle, Thunderbirds, Collateral, Little Black Book, Open Water, The Prince's Diary 2, Royal Engagement, Alien vs. Predator. Now, apparently this happened, a Yu-Gi-Oh movie, uh, the, the movie uh, Pyramid of Light. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I actually fucked with it. Oh, I didn't even know it existed. Uh, Exorcist, oh, really? <laughs> the beginning without a paddle. Benji off the leash. Garden State. Anacondas, the hunt for the blood orchid. Hero, Suspect Zero, and Super Babies. Baby Geniuses too. <laughs> that was a long ass list. Ah uh-huh. uh, man, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this one. Uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I don't really fuck with this one that much either. Anyway, I mean, there's some good. I like New York Minute. I was a I was a fan of New York Minute. Yeah, it's uh, the Olsen twins. Uh, with the Olsen twins, yeah. Uh, they got Yu Gi Oh, but that's a that's clearly a guilty movie pleasure. I'm not about to sit up and act like Troy. That's what my YouTube channel was named after. <laughs> uh, so I gotta give that some love. But nah, yeah, this one of the weaker ones, man. I ain't gonna lie. Alien vs Predator was a disappointing. Uh, yeah, this one of the weak ones. Spider, they got Spider Man Two on there. Yeah, Spider Man Two still Shrek arguably two the best Spider Man Two Spider-Man. are going to be your big your big headliners for the summer. Yeah, but this one, I don't think Shrek. I mean, Shrek Two and Spider Man Two ain't enough to carry this uh this blockbuster season. Yeah, so the highest opening uh, weekend was uh, Shrek Two at one hundred and eight. Highest grossing four hundred and forty one for Shrek Two. Uh, the lowest, the biggest loser, uh, Thunderbirds. Made six point eight million dollars and it also grossed uh, two point seven on its opening weekend. All right, oh five, Kingdom of Heaven, House of Wax, Crash, Kicking and Screaming, Monster in Law, Star Wars Episode Three, Revenge of the Sith, Madagascar, The Longest Yard, The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl 3D, 
The Honeymooners, High Tension, Batman Begins, The Perfect Man, Herbie Fully Loaded, Bewitched, Land of the Dead, War of the Worlds, Rebound, starring Martin Lawrence, Fantastic Four, Dark Water, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Wedding Crashers, Bad News Bears, The Island, starring Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson, The Devil's Rejects, Hustle and Flow, starring Terrence Howard, March of the Penguins, Stealth, Sky High, Must Love Dogs, The Dukes of Hazards, Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo, The Skeleton Key, Four Brothers, The Great Raid, Supercross, Red Eye, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, Valiant, The Brothers Grimm, The Cave, Undiscovered, which is starring Ashley Simpson and Carrie Fisher. I never heard of that movie, probably because it was Undiscovered. Uh, and lastly, The Constant Gardener. See, this. See, here's the thing. I'm a little conflicted with this uh, movie season because they got a lot of notable names on here, but they don't scream blockbuster movie season to me like or summer or summer you know movies they just a bunch of movies you know what i mean but they the 40 year old version to me is the, one of the greatest comedies ever made that shit is a masterpiece and um of course batman begins on there that's big that's like that screams go go to the movies rebound with martin lawrence <laughs> man that <laughs> that that shit was surprisingly funny as hell, man. Like I ain't gonna even lie. I had to show that love. I seen that in theater. I saw so that in shit, TV, I gotta but Rebound doesn't scream go to the movies, by the way. Just wanna say that. <laughs> Yeah, it, it doesn't. But like a lot of these, like the four brothers, you know, a lot of these these ones that, that you name Mr. and Mrs. Smith, that's a that's a uh yeah. a go to the uh you know, and I and I and I liked it a little bit, you know what I mean? So uh, but like Revenge of the Sith, if it was uh, Revenge of the Sith was okay, so I could. Uh, that's worth going to the movies to me. Revenge of the Sith, I, you know, it, it's not. This not a bad. This not a bad. This not a bad year. I watched to Monster me, but in Law in theaters for Mother's Day that year with my mom and my family and stuff like that. I thought that J Lo movie was hilarious. So. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, this one, when I don't think this will be one of my options for best of the year. But it's 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 okay. Okay, fair enough. Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith grossed three hundred and eighty million dollars. It was the winner of the summer. It also opened the highest at one hundred and eight million dollars. Uh, the the biggest loser, as I made the joke already, uh, undiscovered. It made one million dollars at the box office grossing only $676,000 on, on its opening weekend. And I did check, it did release uh, on almost damn near 2,000 screens. So, uh, yeah. Next up, 06, Mission Impossible 3, Hoot, An American Haunting, Poseidon, Just My Luck, Goal, The Dream Begins, Over the Hedge, The Da Vinci Code, See No Evil, X-Men The Last Stand, The Breakup, The Omen, Cars, A Prairie Home Companion, Nacho Libre, The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties, The Lake House, starring Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock, Click, Waist Deep, starring Tyrese Gibson, Superman Returns, The Devil Wears Prada, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, A Scanner Darkly, which was limited release, You, Me, and Dupree, Little Man, Monster House, Lady in the Water, My Super Ex-Girlfriend, Clerks 2, Little Miss Sunshine, The Ant Bully, Miami Vice, John Tucker Must Die, Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, Barnyard, The Descent, The Night Listener, Step Up, World Trade Center, Pulse, Zoom starring Tim Allen, Snakes on a Plane, Accepted, Material Girls, Invincible, Beer Fest, and Idlewild. Woo! Nah, uh, nah, this, this year trash, man. <laughs> 
This shit trash. I ain't gonna even lie. This shit trash. I like Click. Uh, Mission Impossible Three was one J.J. Abrams did, yeah. and and he pro- he revived that a little yeah. bit. Uh, uh, Tokyo Drift, fun, but I'm not like you know, but that's nothing. You know what I mean? Like that's it's just Tokyo Drift. You know what I mean? But it, I, I liked it. Yeah, but, but it also started uh, James Wan's directing career though, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it did. It did. He that's a, yeah. He it, that's the first one he did. But I wasn't you know I don't think he started doing them really good until the fourth one or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this one weak, though. This one, Devil's Wear Prada. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think my cousin likes that movie a lot. I think it's a good movie. And uh, what's her name? Meryl Streep is, of course, the greatest of all time with Anne Hathaway. But I just, uh, I, yeah, this one, don't do, this one don't do it for me, man. Damn. Okay. Uh, I was, I'll give a shout-out to The Da Vinci Code. Um, but yeah. Oh yeah, I see The Da Vinci Code in there. Okay, yeah. Uh, but nah, even with The Da Vinci Code, though. <laughs> I, I'm going to give a shout out to Will Ferrell on this one because he does this thing. Uh, we talked about a Will Ferrell movie earlier in the list where it was uh, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. And he did, he did it again with The Ballad of Ricky Bobby where he puts the name of the characters in the title of the movie. So, like, everyone knows who, who Ron Burgundy is. Everyone knows who Ricky Bobby is. And I feel like yeah. that's, like, more of, like, the cultural, like, lexicon where it's, like, he, he markets it really well so that way you know, like, the character comes first. So, yeah, but yeah, I mean, overall, it's it is kind of a bit of a lackluster summer. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 2 won the summer at four hundred and twenty three million dollars and it opened the highest at one hundred and thirty five. The goal goal, the dream begins. uh, It was not a dream because it only made four point two million and uh, it opened at one point nine million. Surprisingly, Mm. though, I have a goal. The dream begins on DVD uh, because I borrowed it from my cousin and never returned it. It's still in my bookshelf. And that goes to show that he didn't even want that motherfucker. <laughs> okay, moving on to 2007. Spider-Man 3, Lucky You, Georgia Rule, 28 Weeks Later, Delta Farce, starring Larry the Cable Guy, The X, which I believe was a Zach Braff movie, Shrek the Third, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, Bug, Knocked Up, Mr. Brooks, Gracie, Waitress, Oceans 13, Surf's Up, Hostel Part 2, Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, Nancy Nancy Drew, Evan Almighty, 1408, starring Samuel L. Jackson and John Cusack, A Mighty Heart, Ratatouille, Live Free or Die Hard, Transformers, License to Wed, Sicko, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, Captivity, another movie that will never get made, I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry, Hairspray, The Simpsons Movie, No Reservations, I Know Who Killed Me, Who's Your Caddy, the Born Ultimatum, Underdog, Hot Rod, Bratz, Daddy Day Camp, Rush Hour 3, Stardust, Becoming Jane, Superbad, The Invasion, The Last Legion, The Nanny Diaries, War, starring Jason Statham and Jet Li, Mr. Beans' Holiday, Resurrecting the Champ, Halloween, the 2007 Halloween, and Death Sentence, starring Kevin Bacon. Um, Man, I'm I'm noticing these. You know, with these summer blockbusters, they they need superhero movies. Shit, <laughs> like I realize this is the time before superhero movies. Like, like they need that in some more Star Wars. But uh, look, say Super Bad is on here. Yes, this is ranked number one for me. Super Bad is on here. Like, it's no, nah, I'm just kidding. I don't got to rank number one, but uh, 
you know, I like Rush Hour 3 and Superbad. Yeah, as a matter of fact, The Bourne Ultimatum, Rush Hour 3, and Superbad were three movies that came out in August of that year. And I believe it was yeah. the trend. It was the first year where it's like it proved that August was a viable release strategy for blockbusters. Hell yeah. Yeah, for real. Shit. Because them two hit, them hits. Yeah. Yeah. So the biggest winner of the 07 summer was Spider-Man 3 grossing $336 million, and it's got the highest opening weekend at $151 million. The lowest grossing was uh, that Alicia Cuthbert movie, Captivity. Uh, it was during the time of, like, Gorno films where it's, like, torture porn kind of stuff. Uh, it made yeah. $2.6 million, and then it also opened the lowest at $1.1 million. Side note, okay. 07 was the first summer of me working at the movie theater, so I remember all of these movies. Damn, that's crazy, man. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man 3 was the worst ever working at the movie theater. <laughs> Damn, man, Spider-Man 3, I wish that shit was good. If Spider-Man 3 would have good, been good, it could have been one of the great trilogies. Yep, true. All right, moving but on to 2008, we got Iron Man, Maid of Honor, starring Patrick Dempsey. What Happens in Vegas, starring Ashton Kutcher and Cameron Diaz, Speed Racer, The Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian, The Trash Fire that is, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom Ooh, of the Crystal Skull. Terrible movie. Sex in the City. Terrible movie. Oh my god. <laughs> the Strangers, Kung Fu Panda. Damn near every Adam Sandler movie can't get made anymore. You Don't Mess with the Zohan. Mm. The Incredible Hulk. The Happening. Terrible movie. Get Smart. Another terrible movie. Terrible movie. The Love Guru. <laughs> uh, Wally, Wanted, Hancock, Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, Journey to the Center of the Earth, Meet Dave, The Dark Knight. There we go. Mom, Mama Mia, Space Chimps, Step Brothers, The X-Files, I Want to Believe, The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, Swing Vote, Pineapple Express, the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants 2, Tropic Thunder, Star Wars, The Clone Wars, Mirrors, The House Bunny, Death Race, The Long Shots, The, the Rocker, Babylon 80, Traitor, Disaster Movie, and College. Yes, I see I see you, Troy, and I was actually going to declare that maybe 08 might be the winner. Yeah, I got it, the winner, man. As you as you can see, finally some superhero comic book movies start coming in this bitch, and it made it more competitive. Look, Iron Man one classic. You know what I'm saying? Hellboy, that that I love that Hellboy. I don't know why that Hellboy like them them earlier Hellboys are mentioned more. Hellboy two was definitely better than Hellboy one. I'll give you that one. Yeah, and I loved Hellboy two. That shit was good as hell. The Dark Knight, that almost ends it right there. You know, the, the greatest comic book movie ever made, or at least one of them, uh, right there that came out this year. You know what I'm saying? So you look at that, and them three bangers alone, man, I, I think I could I could even stop right there, but I could keep going if I wanted to. Yeah, So uh, I want to I piggyback off you, and I want to say that we got peak Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, yeah. Step Brothers. Yeah. Step Brothers. Boats. That, I mean, I'm like, uh, I was like, now. I'm on. I was like, was that Boats and Hoes? You know? <laughs> yeah. Step Brothers is, uh, again, another one of my favorite comedies of all time. Tropic man. Thunder. Like, dude. Tropic Thunder. Yeah, yeah. Like, this one, damn. Pineapple Express. Close. I mean, damn. Oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah, this one, it's not even close, man. I ain't gonna even lie. Wally's a classic. All right. Yeah, Wally. Yeah, Wally. I mean, damn. I mean, shit. I think you're right. The Incredible Hulk. We got to throw that some love. Shit. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. You know what? Damn near every weekend was a banger. 
the winner of the summer was obviously The Dark Knight. It made $533 million. It had the highest opening weekend at $158 million. The lowest grossing was College. And I remember that poster, by the way. Uh, it grossed $4.6 million uh, total with opening only to $2.1 million. And lastly, rounding it out for the decade, we're going to close the decade off in 2009 with X-Men Origins Wolverine, Ghost of Girlfriends Past, starring uh, Jennifer Garner and Matthew McConaughey, Battle for Terra, the Star Trek reboot, Next Day Air, Angels and Demons, which is the sequel to The Da Vinci Code, Terminator Salvation, Night at the Museum, Battle of the, Miso- the Smithsonian, Dance Flick, Up, Drag Me to Hell, Land of the Lost, The Hangover, My Life in Ruins, The Taking of Pelham 123, which is starring uh, Denzel and John Travolta. Imagine that. The Proposal, Year One, trash movie, by the way. Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, My Sister's Keeper, Ice Age, Dawn of the Dinosaur, Public Enemies, starring Johnny Depp, G-Force, The Ugly Truth, Orphan, Funny People, starring Adam Sandler, Aliens in the Attic, G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, Julie and Julia, A Perfect Getaway, District 9, The Time Traveler's Wife, The Goods, Live Hard, Sell Hard, Ponyo, Inglorious Bastards, gotta put some respect on that, mm. Shorts, Postgrad, The Final Destination, which I don't think was The Final Destination, Halloween 2, <laughs> Taking Woodstock. <laughs> so there you go. Hey, like shit, they got up and inglorious bastards on here, so that's got to show some love. But I mean, it don't beat the last one, so there ain't even no point of really even getting into it too heavy. You yeah, know what I mean? Too many flops, in my opinion. Um, yeah. I mean, like X Men Origins Wolverine was was trash. Uh, trash. Year One trash. trash. Land of the Lost trash. You know, like ah man, just. Yeah. Transformers. And I don't remember that Harry Potter one. Uh, I don't remember Half Blood Price, uh, Prince. I don't remember that. So I don't, I don't know if that one was the good one or one of the bad ones. Yeah, Bruno. Oh, I didn't. I must have skipped the line here. Uh, Bruno, I love you, Beth Cooper, Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, Five Hundred Days of Summer. Uh, yeah, Bruno. That movie sucked. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Okay. Uh, but yeah, rounding it out, the winner of the summer. Winner of the summer was Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen, four hundred and two million dollars. Uh, it also had the highest opening, one hundred and eight million. Post grad lowest, six point three gross, two point six opening. So yeah, I think it is fair to say that two thousand and eight, no, nothing has, um, no summer has anything on summer of oh eight. Yeah, we got oh eight for the winner for right now for the for the further decade. Is there a biggest loser in your opinion? Because I think we said 03 uh, at first because of that. But, like, is there anything that you want to say, like, this was the worst yeah. summer ever? Uh, uh, I can't. One of them other ones was probably the best. Maybe, like, yeah, 03. Probably 03. Yeah. It was a different time, man. Movies uh, movies get made on different premises and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll come back and uh, we'll re- revisit uh, the, the, the 2010s in, uh, in part two. Yeah. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and, and move things along with the, uh, the new releases. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So I'm going to be doing things in, in uh, backwards order here. I'll do Netflix and chill later. But for now, for re- new releases, uh, we're going to go ahead and hit up Spiral from the Book of Saw, which comes out this, this weekend on Friday, May 14th in theaters. Synopsis reads, 
Working in the shadow of his father, Detective Ezekiel Zeke Banks and his rookie partner take charge of an investigation into grisly murders that are eerily reminiscent of the city's gruesome past. Unwittingly entrapped in a deepening mystery, Zeke finds himself at the center of the killer's morbid game. It is the ninth installment in the Saw film series, and it stars Chris Rock, uh, Max Minghella, Meryl Sol Nichols, and Samuel L. Jackson. The next up is Those Who Wish Me Dead, which is coming out in theaters and on HBO Max on the, the 14th. The synopsis reads, a smoke jumper and a 12-year-old boy fight for their lives as two assassins pursue them through the wilderness. The film stars Angelina Jolie, Nicholas Holt, Finn Little, Aiden uh, Gillen, Medina Senghor, Tyler Perry, Jake Weber, and the Punisher himself, John Bernthal. Next up is The Gin, which is out on theaters and also video on demand. So it's probably a limited release. Uh, it says here for the synopsis, a mute boy becomes trapped in his apartment with a sinister monster after making a wish to fulfill his heart's greatest desire. The film stars Ezra Dewey, Rob Brownstein, and Tevi Poe. And on Friday, or sorry, excuse me, on Thursday, May 13th, Castlevania Season 4 drops, which is the final season of the show. It says Wallachia collapses into chaos as factions clash, some attempting to take control, others attempting to bring Dracula back from the dead. Nobody who's who they seem, and nobody can be trusted. These are the end times. It's starring Alejandra Reynoso, Richard Armitage, James Callis, Theo James, who was in the Divergent series, Jamie Murray, and Bill Nighy. And finally, rounding it out, the Woman in the Window, which is coming out on uh, Netflix this Friday, it says here, agoraphobic Dr. Anna Fox witnesses something that she shouldn't while keeping tabs on the Russell family, the, the seemingly picture-perfect clan that lives across the way, which is based on the 2018 novel of the same name by the uh, pseudonymous Arthur uh, A.J. Finn. The film stars Amy Adams, Gary Oldman, Anthony Mackie, Fred uh, Hitchinger, Wyatt Russell, who was in the, also in the Captain America and the or Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, Brian Tyree Henry uh, from Godzilla vs. Kong, Jennifer Jason Lee, and Julianne Moore. And it says here, it was produced by 20th Century Studios. Uh, the Woman in the Window was originally scheduled to be released um, on October 4th, 2019, but was delayed to, to May 15th, 2020. But due to COVID, uh, they had to, ended up selling it to Netflix altogether. So, Troy, you see these uh, five uh, contestants here. Who's the winner? Who's the pick of the week? Well, uh, the pick of the week is going to be Spiral. Um, big Chris Rock fan. I don't actually think the movie's going to be good based off what I see, but I'm still a fan of Saw and Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson. So, I'm just the most curious about that. But I think what close second will be The Woman in the Window. That sounds fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, those will be the two I'm checking that's out. A good, that's a banger cast right there. Amy Adams, Gary Oldman, Anthony Mackie. I mean, shit. You know? Yeah, that's an unbelievable cast. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, uh, my pick of the week is actually going to go to Those Who Wish Me Dead. I'm a big fan of Angelina Jolie. I saw the trailer. Um, I, it looks it looks very intense. Uh, there's like a whole fire in, the, in there and... Uh, um, yeah, and I think John Berthold is really good at playing a villain, so um, it's going to be on HBO Max. It's going to be an easy win for me as far as uh, picking that one. So uh, let's go ahead and finish things out with uh, Netflix and chill. 
So for Netflix and chill, just going to go ahead and run through these lists uh, for the Netflix chart. Number one, Jupiter's Legacy, because, of course. Number two, The Mitchells versus The Machines holds on. Number three, the, Son of, the Sons of Sam, A Descent into Madness. Number four, Dead Man Down. Number five, Selena the Series, which I believe released new episodes. Number six, Shadow and Bone. Number seven, Monster, which is not the... Which is not the Charlize Theron movie. It's a Netflix original movie. Number eight, Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted. Number nine, Startup. Number 10, Coco Melon. Anything to say about the Netflix chart? No, other than I'm disappointed that the monster ain't monster from uh, <laughs> Charlize Theron. That's a masterpiece. And uh, and I'm, and I'm Jupiter's, Jupiter's Legacy must be the shit, like you say. So we got to see what's go. up. For the iTunes chart, number one is The Little Things, number two is The Marksman, number three is Shadow in the Cloud, number four is Wonder Woman 84, which moved up from number 10 last week, so I don't know why it jumped up. Number five is Nomadland, number six is Promising Young Woman, number seven is Percy vs. Goliath, and number eight and number nine were last week's new releases, so they must have came out in theaters and VOD at the same time. Uh, The Paper Tigers and Above Suspicion, which was the... Above Suspicion was the Amelia Clark movie. And number 10, rounding it out, News of the World. Uh, so what are your thoughts on this uh, top 10? How the hell uh, the little things jumped to number one? Like, where, was it, did it just come to iTunes? I believe like, it is? entered its rental window. So, like, the little things was like you could only buy it. But now it's buy okay. slash rent. So oh, okay, okay. And uh, I get, and I think, and I guess Wonder Woman 1984 is trying to take Tenet's title of staying in the top 10. <laughs> like... That's just crazy that that leaped way to four. Like, why? I know. It was about to leave the top ten, and it was like, psych. (laughs) They're like, fuck that. I'm staying. And uh, so, yeah, No Man Land, great movie. So, that's good. That's And lastly, rounding it out for the Amazon charts, number one is Nobody. Number two is The Courier. Number three is Tom and Jerry. Number four, The Crude's A New Age because reasons number five voyagers number six promising young woman number seven nomad land number eight raya and the last dragon number nine news of the world and finally number 10 minari so i don't really have a lot to say about the amazon charts it kind of seems very much like last uh, by the way i didn't we didn't even like we'll do the chart last week for amazon this damn near feels like the exact same chart from two weeks ago just in a different yeah. order Hell yeah. Uh, I ain't got much to say either. All right. Um, my recommendation is going to be on Amazon Prime. I feel like it's a movie that really got the short end of the stick when it came to the COVID lockdown. Uh, my Spy was supposed to come out in theaters, but then it got sold to Amazon. And when it came out on Amazon, I feel like nobody was talking about it. I watched that movie back in the back when it came out last year on Amazon, and it actually was hilarious as hell. And I thought it was really good. Uh, um, damn it. What's his name? Uh, what's his name? The guy that plays Drax. I can't. Why, why am I having a brain fart? Oh damn! I, I don't know why I'm having a brain freeze too. The fucking the rest. Yeah. Of, uh, uh, Batista. Yeah, Dave Batista. Yeah, he's starring in uh, as a as a spy, and uh, he takes on like uh, like a little girl as a uh, as a protege because she sort of blackmails him into you know you know taking him on as a protege. Otherwise. Yeah, I remember that. That came out in 2019, right? It was supposed to, but I think it got like delayed, and then like COVID happened, and then yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, the trailer, if you've seen the trailer and you know it's, if you think the trailer is hilarious, you'll love the movie. So that's my recommendation for the week is My Spy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mine uh, is going to be uh, The Big Short. It's on Amazon and uh, and it's, it's about the crash of 08 the, um, and uh, how everybody lost their homes and basically kind of how it went down and uh, 
what caused it, and uh, it stars Christian Bale, Brad Pitt, Ryan Gosling, and uh, it's just a, it's just a, a Steve Carell as well. It's a fantastic movie. It's directed by the same director that did Step Brothers. Uh, I just watched it, and uh, it's just, it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of betting going on right now, and they saying this could be a, a, a big. You know, similar things happening here in the near future. So I gave this movie a watch, and I remember that how much of a masterpiece it was. It really was a great film, very funny as well. So yeah, okay. And uh, I talked about that uh, movie as well on impressions on a previous episode. So you could probably like go through the uh, the past episodes and look through the show notes and find it. But I did talk about it. I did like a little mini review on the show about it as yeah, well. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and wrap it up. And now the end is near And so I face the final curtain It is time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Play Movies. Remember, you can reach the podcast by email at readyplaymovies at gmail.com or simply at readyplaymovies on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Chocolaka88 and Troy. Bracey Troy 58 Don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the show and all that good stuff. See you next time.